1: What's the football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got brainy. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Alright, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling stuff. Am I going to get sued? illegal legal on this? I yeah, like football, like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here on YouTube, and it's time to preview Week 10 in the NFL, Sam. Correct. It is, Steve. Past the halfway point now. We're previewing Week 10. Everybody's past the halfway point. We're all past the halfway point. So, yeah, we're going to get into all the games, of course. Uh, it's not a full week this time, Sam. No. So there's a couple. There's four teams on byes, some good teams on byes, Chiefs, Dolphins, and Eagles in particular, all on byes. We're still going to have a great week of NFL action. Ready to go? Yeah. Maybe I lied to the people because the Thursday night game. No, I'm not going to make fun of the game. Eli's over there saying he can't wait for this game. He's in the booth saying, I'm looking forward to the game, and I'm looking forward to the Thursday night game as well. Okay. Panthers-Bears.
0: Just more tape for Justin Fields' study. Oh, jeez.
1: Panthers at the Bears, Thursday night football. Second time in, what, five weeks the Bears have been on Thursday night football. Bears are favored by three. Uh, it's going to be Bryce Young versus Tyson Bagent. What if you said that about a year ago? It's going to be a couple rookies. Yeah. One guy, number one overall pick, Bryce Young out of Alabama. The other guy, Tyson Bajant, no, Division II Shepherd is it? Yes. I don't keep track of every Division II team, even though I'm a former preseason All-American Division II. <laughs> uh, but Tyson Bajant, and Bajant's favored by three here.
0: Yeah, he
1: is. Um,
0: the, so, the, so a third of the league this week are starting rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. Eight rookies starting this week. That's pretty crazy. It is. <laughs> Ten have started
1: this season. It is. It's a, uh, it's part injury issue. It's part, I think the league is transitioning from by the that, way, like a lot of starting caliber quarterbacks are, are gone.
0: Remember we from spent the NFL, you spent significant time yesterday being like, why is scoring down in the NFL? That's really the
1: answer. Meanwhile, eight rookies are starting this week. 10 have started this season. It's probably part of it. That's the answer. Um, so yeah, Bryce Young coming off a game in Indianapolis where he threw two pick sixes had been, uh, improving every single week, but, um, so the Bears
0: a, the Bears own both these draft picks, right? What's the best thing that, that can happen for Chicago's draft? I, I was I was thinking well, I was taking the trash out the other day cuz I think tie I was thinking bad. about this.
1: I thought a tie would help.
0: No, cuz the tie is like a half a win for both of them, which means both True. picks are getting further away from the number 1 overall spot. The Bears probably want to win, I would think. Cuz Carolina currently only has
1: one win, so you want them to yeah. stay at one win. Forever. I think the Bears want to win. And then, I don't know, Bears probably want to win. Because, you you know, you choose, you get a little bit of morale by winning. Okay. And you know you're not killing your draft status. Yeah. So, I think if you're the Bears, you want to win. I think that's probably true. If you're the Panthers, you just want to win because you need wins. Yeah. Because things are looking pretty bleak at the yeah. moment. So, that's it. Uh, it's a pillow fight in the trenches. The Bears have the dead last pass rush grade for PFF. Yep. The Panthers are third worst in pass blocking grade. Uh, only because the Giants exist. And, um <laughs> because you know, the Giants exist. I mean, that's really why. And the Steelers, actually. The Steelers are just a little bit worse than the Panthers. Giants are in their own world. I mean, the Panthers' pass blocking grade is 12 points better than the Giants. So, just for perspective Yikes. here. But, yeah, the Panthers have struggled to protect Bryce Young. The Bears have struggled to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So, something has to give here on Thursday Night Football.
0: Yep. Um, Montez Sweat there now, of course. So, can that make a difference against, you know, at least they have one guy that can rush the passer at a reasonable level, um, Yannick Ngakwe theoretically as well, but, like, I, that should make a difference to them at some point, point. and this is a pretty good team for that to, to happen against.
1: Have we talked since they uh, signed Montez to the big deal?
0: Uh, no.
1: They no. signed Montez Sweat to a big deal? They did. Um, so did, they paid the that... second-round pick for the right to negotiate early, as I said, and that's what right. they did. They got, they got that deal done.
0: So does that change your take at all? Because um, you didn't like it. You like this is a bad move because they might not get him signed.
1: I still think it's signed. a lot to give up because again, going back to the balance sheet, Montez sweat, sweat now needs to be worth the second pick, second round pick, yeah. and all that money that you're paying him. Will he return that same value? That's going to be a challenge.
0: Yeah, I mean, all turn But but the thing is, you don't know what that second round pick is going to be. Like that could be nothing. Like they've yeah, paid, of course. But you money is—you can, is, you can is project. Certainty.
1: I mean, you can project what the thirty-fifth, thirty-seventh pick does historically. It's how much? Worse how much it's worth financially? What it's worth in, in wins above replacement? Right. You could put that up against what sweat's going to bring in.
0: Right. But what it's worth is going to be worse than sweat. But you,
1: you factor in the money too. Right.
0: But so they're paying for knowing they're going to
1: get a better return than that top 2nd around pick. I mean, it's a—it's a healthy price to ensure that you get the guy. That's all. Yeah, it's a healthy price,
0: but it is like it came in. Now the guarantees are a lot higher, but the contract came in in the kind of ballpark that, that people were talking about, it, right? Which is they had that Rashawn Gary contract set to work from. They've kind of used that as a guideline. Only they've basically doubled the guaranteed money in it, which is a different, you know, different dynamic.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you're of the mind that no one would want to go to Chicago in the off season and Sweat was the best option at edge, and they're so desperate there. Um, I will say this: When we talked about the Bears' rebuild last year, and you were kind of lamenting they didn't do enough on the defensive line, and I said they just haven't gotten there yet. Um, if, if it's a three-year build, year three is going to be all about the defensive line. This is just step one of the defensive line, and there's a good chance they come out of you know, next off-season with maybe a high draft pick on the line and sweat more help on the defensive interior, and we're saying, "Hey, the Bears look much better." up front that's going to be their focus this offseason they just they they did get a a head start here Mm -hmm. so um anything else you're looking for in this game last time they were on Thursday Night Football DJ Moore went off when Justin Fields was still there um Bajant has been up and down 61 grade so far this season some good some bad last week four turnover-worthy plays three picks
0: yeah I both quarterbacks are interesting to me for different reasons um yeah i I think I have this sort of disease that football manager fosters where you're constantly interested in the young player, even if they're no better than the other guy, like the older guy. Just because they're young quarterbacks, there's some kind of you can sell yourself on the hope, right? So the Bajan narrative, Division Two Shepard, like you can sell yourself on the good of Tyson Bajan even though there's bad accompanying it most of the games. Uh, same with Bryce Young. Like you talk yourself into the good things you see from Bryce Young and can at least excuse away the bad with the situation that's around him so I think it's just an interesting game anytime you have two rookie quarterbacks going up against each other even if the the play isn't a particularly high level
1: Um, and we've talked a lot about the Panthers all year Um, situation doesn't look great and again I know the AB analysis is the number two pick CJ Stroud is in an on paper not great situation on paper coming into the season which turned into a good one um in part because of what stroud's been able to do um but i think the panthers got to figure something out besides just adam Thielen. yeah as far as i mean it's bad
0: there like our our friend um friend of the show jt o'sullivan qb school had his saw that one of his most recent videos is a big long um look at the carolina panthers offense and the situation that bryce young's in and it's not favorable (laughs) to that so you know it doesn't mean that Bryce Young is playing well. Like, you're not saying, hey, the situation around him is bad. He's actually playing really well. It's all bad. He's playing badly, but the situation around him is very bad as well. And consequently, the offense stinks, right? Like, I have no doubt whatsoever that right now, if you put Andy Dalton in a quarterback, they would be better off. Um, But that doesn't mean his career's done. Like, we're not saying the number one overall pick was a mistake at this point.
1: Um, the one thing that we might be keeping an eye on here is from our friends over at Prize Picks. We have uh, not a full lineup here for today, but uh, Jonathan Mingo, we talked about this yesterday, more or less than 33 and a half yards. That's the type of play you can make over at Prize Picks. Do you, uh, are you going to still say over for your guy Mingo? No, I
0: was still saying less,
1: remember? I'm, I mean, yeah. So you said less last time? Yep. Right. So remember, Prize Picks, you're just playing against their projection. So that 33 and a half, you're still going to say less? Yes even though that's your guy
0: i have look i have
1: faith go out it, on a limb no and pick more
0: i have faith that in the future jonathan mingo will become a good nfl wide receiver however it is going to
1: take some time and he is not a good nfl wide receiver yet all right so sam's going to take less than 33 and a half receiving yards for jonathan mingo that's the type of thing you can do and now with basketball season here You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can have LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at 10.5 combo of three points made, three pointers made, and receptions. So we want to play alongside some of Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. Was that uh, the Colts dancing to some, some Meek the other day? Is that what I mean. Jim Ursay yeah. going crazy? Mm-hmm. I'm, sorry, I'm sure Ursay's on PrizePix with these guys. He, they're, they're, you can find them in the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player that exits the game in the first half, it doesn't return in the second half, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, Sam, as far as the game goes, Bears by three. Where are you going with this one?
0: Hmm. Um... (laughs) <laughs> That's a lot of points to be given Tyson Pagin at any point ever. Uh, no, I can't. I can't buy into Tyson Pagin being a three-point favorite ever in a game. I'm not yeah. doing
1: it. If, if there's a week, you know, the, if the Bears are going to get something out of their young defensive lineman, Gervon Dexter, and um, some of the guys that they drafted, Zach Pickens, those guys yeah. that they liked, this would be the week. But I'm going to say it's not the week. I'll give this may be the time where Bryce Young has a little bit more time to throw, and uh, he does some damage here on Thursday Night Football. I'll give me the Panthers as three point underdogs. Same. Um, all right, is the Discord game of the week? Din up. Oh, all right, is this Titans box? It is. So the Discord Discord does a really good job of basically looking at the line and saying this is the closest line. It's going to be the closest game on Discord. The Bucks. So Titans at Bucks, one o'clock game on Sunday. Bucks favored by one here, three and five Bucks, three and four. Tennessee Titans. Uh, no, the Titans have more. They're three. They're both three and five. Is that right? <laughs> Man, we've hit the point in the season where I used to have the standings right up here in my noggin.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now you just don't know anything.
1: Now buys are throwing me off, and uh, Titans are. They're both three and five. Yeah. Listen, it's all right. I can admit mistakes. Okay. That was a mistake. They're both three and five. What are you looking for in this one,
0: Discord game of the week? I mean, obviously, Will Levis is the the story. He is. He's now the starter, um, which I think was the clear, correct decision. Didn't make any sense to do anything else after the first, certainly the first seven quarters of Will Levis' play. (laughs) The eighth, eh, you know, things went off the rails a little bit. But, um, yeah, I I think Levis' situation is going to be interesting. Um, We've already seen – so I I was on – Titans radio, our friends, you know, Ramon Foster, were they, Kayla, yeah. Um, and it's like, on the one hand, the situation around him is, isn't is bad because you've got new Copkins. We saw at the first game what that can do for you. You've got Derrick Henry, Taji Spears in the backfield. Like, you've got a lot of players around him that can make plays. On the other hand, you still have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And we saw that collapsing around him in the last game. So, like, I... I The thing to monitor is essentially is the offensive line so bad that it can undermine everything else. Like the basic passing connection that Will Levis can forge with the receiving players around him I think should be pretty good. And Derrick Henry is able to overcome some poor blocking a lot of the time. So Spears, to be fair. But that offensive line is atrocious, and it's going to give up a ton of pressure, particularly around the edges like the tackles. Tackles were bad when they were healthy, and now they've been forced into the bench that that's just the whole dynamic is is that bad enough to undermine everything and as as impressive as will levis has been at being aggressive and forcing the ball down the field i can only imagine that the more you pressure him the more of those
1: like turnover worthy lob it straight to the safety plays you're gonna get Uh, we've talked a lot about sam howell being this highly volatile qb that's hashtag fun levis through two games is kind of hashtag fun I mean, just because he is, he is driving the ball down the field. Now, he does um, – it, it, part of it is schematic, right? When Tannehill was in there, Tannehill was taking as many deep shots as any other quarterback in the league as well from a percentage standpoint. But Levis is up there and then some. So part of that is, hey, they're, they're running a lot of play action. They're taking those shots. And part of it is Levis does have a big arm. He can flick it out there. Um, I think it may have been our friend Greg Rosenthal, you know, throwing a Jay Cutler – comp out there you know, like this, is, like what we're feeling when you're watching them mm. um there's a little bit of that with levis where there's some volatility but like you're seeing when it hits two weeks ago the big plays the four touchdowns it could hit in a big way right but
0: it's such a small sample size that like we don't even know if it's volatility at
1: this point like yeah, he,
0: he just imploded in the fourth quarter like in one drive he basically had even, three of his four turnover the plays
1: and i don't even know if that's really imploding you don't want to end the game by throwing the ball to the defense however you're down 4 points. They needed a touchdown yeah. and you take some chances there. They just there were some bad ones. There were some bad decisions right. in there. <laughs> There's some better decisions to be made. Yeah. But like you so got to like, take those chances late in the game anyway.
0: I don't know if that represents volatility inherent in his game or if on one drive he just fired the ball at the defense 3 yeah. times including were they back-to-back plays or like very close together the final two. Um so like maybe that was just the situation handled very badly yeah. in a bad you know. Or maybe he is gonna be this guy where six big time throws versus four turnover he plays is like his that's his level. That's what it's gonna look like. But I don't think we know that yet through eight quarters of
1: football. I'll say this. I mean through two weeks the, the vibes around Levis are, people are impressed. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's... they I mean, should be. But I don't know if that's because he fell to the second round and that immediately lower standards. Like, if he did go... All those rumors he was going to go number one. Like, if he did go number one overall and he played like this over the last two weeks, would people have that same level of positive? I've been impressed overall. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to build upon here. Um, I'm interested in seeing now the other side of the ball. Second straight week, the Bucks play a rookie QB. Last week, it was C.J. Stroud. Who goes off for 470 yards and five touchdowns? Yeah, and the seat is getting a little warmer for head coach Todd Bowles. that's his defense that just got torched last week.
0: Yeah, you would hope that their defense puts up a better fight against Levis than it did against Stroud. Um, it's a better matchup for them, I think, certainly in the coverage, like with the secondary Tampa or uh, Houston's receivers, particularly Tank Dell, like the Bucs still have this group of like big, meaty you know powerful strong sizable cornerbacks uh and then they're trying to like keep hold of tank dell this tiny you know incredibly fast nimble receiver and it didn't go well at all carlton davis just got victimized by that guy over and over again now you know you're going up against tennessee who skew to the other end of the spectrum like deandre hopkins big strong not even like that big but like more of a Possession, not going to get a ton of separation, wins at the catch point type of receiver, um, like Carlton Davis, that's a better matchup
1: for him. Like he would want that receiver versus trying to keep hold of a tank Dell. Um, I think when you watch Tampa Bay, the big question for me is who is their third option in the pass game? Uh, clearly Mike Evans can still play. Chris Godwin can still play. Evans is uh, remains a big play threat. Godwin remains one of the better possession receivers in the NFL. Who's the third option? They had Kate Otten make some plays last week at tight end, but I think that inconsistency is probably hurting the Bucks. Rashad White's done some really nice things out of the backfield as a pass catcher. Love him in the, in the pass game in particular, but who's that real third option at receiver? They haven't had someone step up other than you know a few plays here and there from Trey Palmer, a few plays here and there from Kate Otten. I think they need that third option so it's not just Evans and Godwin for Baker Mayfield Mayfield's consistency um, same thing a little up and down right there's some games last week he played very well and made some plays with his legs again um, some games he's just missing throws down the field Bucks have to try to they had a nice game last week offensively their best game but it got overshadowed by the fact that their defense got absolutely torched Um, there's also a matchup in this game that everybody needs to watch Mm -hmm. that is Titan center, Aaron Brewer, against Vita Vea at nose tackle. Aaron Brewer, the modern marvel, playing center in the NFL at a listed 6'1", 274.
0: Yeah.
1: Going up against 350-pound Vita Vea. And as you always say, Vita Vea at 350, who plays like a 350-pound monster at times. Why can't he do that every single time? Versus Brewer, who looks like a service academy center and plays like that sometimes right he's just like low man wins great cut blocker right he's like a service academy guy going up against vita that's uh must see tv for me for uh the football nerds yeah i mean well the interesting thing is going to
0: be do the bucks actually see that and say hey this guy that looks like a nose tackle but doesn't actually play that much nose tackle different story this week you're actually going to play the Dexter Lawrence role yeah. and take that guy and move him seven yards back
1: every single snap and in the run game I mean Vita is still a run game wrecker for the most part he was a little off last season but he's a run game wrecker yeah but he does not line up the
0: way Dexter Lawrence lines up right this true right head up over the center nose tackle who not as often I mean sometimes he does, he does but... occasionally but yeah. like he has 60 snaps lined up in nose tackle right. this season versus Dexter Lawrence who plays there most of the time but do the Bucs fundamentally change their front because they say, hey, you outweigh the center by 75 pounds. If you can't take this guy and put him five yards deep in the backfield every play, what are we even doing here? Because I would think about that if I was Tampa Bay.
1: Um, And if you are trying to eliminate Vita Vea, the wide zone, outside zone type of game that Tennessee likes to run, getting him moving up and down the line of scrimmage, probably the right play. Um, So that'll be an interesting matchup. The Bucs are still number one in EPA per play. Against the run. Some of that, I saw our friend Ben Baldwin kind of highlight. Some of that's skewed by forcing fumbles. Their success rate's a little bit lower. But Tampa Bay, always under Todd Bowles and with Vita Vea, can have those games where they're really stout from a run game perspective. And that's what happened to the Titans the other night on Thursday night. They became a little one dimensional against the Steelers. You put a little bit too much on Levis, and that might lead to the volatility. So it's an interesting matchup on that side of the ball. Bucks favored by one here. Where are you going in this game?
0: Uh, I will lean into the Bucks. I
1: think. The Bucks. Yeah. The hot seat for Todd Bowles. Um, there's also, we'll get into some Patriots coaching rumors in a second here, but one of the rumors out there, I can't remember if it's legit or not. I'm just repeating stuff I read on the internet. One of the rumors is that Bob Kraft might want Mike Rabel as the next head coach oh, in not, New England.
0: Not Josh McDaniels.
1: Well, maybe Josh Maybe Josh saw it falling apart in New England, mm-hmm. and he pulled a George Costanza. And you don't know any Seinfeld references, no. But Costanza tried to get fired. He was trying to get fired from the Yankees. He was yeah. trying to get George Steinbrenner to fire him. Maybe Josh McDaniels made that same play because he was sensing the New England job was opening up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was in in Ziegler. He's like, "Come on, Dave, come with me. We'll go run the Patriots." Instead of the Raiders. Yeah, because I'm dragging you down with me. (laughs) You're getting canned as
0: well. The The job here is not an option
1: anymore. So I'm taking Tennessee, you're taking Tampa Bay. As a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and and now how to protect your family's financial future. Well, Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget like a million dollars of of coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Sam, are there any other games of the week this week? Let's just go in order. The 1 o'clock slate is actually really good, but I'm going to go in order from here on out. Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots. Uh, Colts are favored by one and a half. They're over in Germany. What's the look for? I'm just
0: I'm just waiting for where you're going on this. Where I'm going to go with this game?
1: Yeah. The the the, uh, the next set of rumors yeah. that are out there through the Boston Globe and maybe not real rumors, but <laughs> Belichick could be fired on the tarmac on the way home oh, the tarmac. in Germany. Fired in Germany. Lane Kiffin style. Yeah. Bill Belichick's never won a game in Germany. He's kind of overrated as a coach ask in Germany. Yeah. yeah, never won a game in Germany. Uh, for, foreign games don't matter. Urban Meyer's 1-0 overseas. So. True. Does, it's not very telling. No, but it means you're probably not going to get fired at the end of it. Um, so, yeah, Patriots are 2-7, and seven, and there are rumors that if Belichick doesn't win this game, he could get fired. Gerard Mayo finishes off the season. I don't necessarily buy that. But I'm just piggybacking off the that he might want, want uh, Bob Kraft might want Mike Rabel rumor as well.
0: Hmm. It doesn't feel like anything like anything Kraft wants as a succession plan doesn't feel like it needs to happen during the season. No, like nobody's available. Like you don't need to get ahead of it, right? To get somebody in, you know? Oh, this guy's available. We got we gotta act now, right? We gotta fire him now, otherwise the deal
1: disappears. Especially because there's a potential trade value in Bill Belichick. A lot, I would there's think. There's a potential open job in Vegas. I mean, there's there's an open job in Vegas. Potential open job in Washington. Um, who knows? But
0: you would have to think whatever about Belichick how it's ending. With the Jets. Yeah. Whatever a about circle. Whatever about how it's ending in New England, and it is ending by the looks of it. Um, there's no way that. Belichick doesn't still have quite a substantial trade value to other teams yeah like people would still look at him the rest of the league isn't looking at this and saying oh Belichick was a fraud the whole way this is just Brady like the way the shouty shows are doing you know they're not saying uh, everything we've learned over the last few years says Tom Brady was 100% the architect of the New England dynasty and Belichick was just a passenger like they are looking at this and saying he's still one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL. Um clearly when a quarterback is there it was good enough to create this dynasty. Like he's a part of this and he still has value. Let's go trade for this guy.
1: Oh, I agree. I completely agree. Um Charles Robinson of Yahoo wrote the the end of the dy- like the real end of the dynasty article again this week which was kind of saying that it wasn't the Patriot way, it was the Brady way. Again, I think there's there's truth in the highest levels of success are mostly driven by the quarterback. But you, you certainly can't throw out that Belichick has been a very good defensive coach. Um, I do think from a personnel standpoint, they've been lacking the last couple of years. Yeah. But I'm, I'm also going to make this point for New England. And I think we made it on this show before. Like, if you're watching the Patriots on Sunday morning at 9.30, it's not like they have no players whatsoever, right? They have um, Jelani Tavai as this, you know, rejuvenation project here from the Lions a few years ago. Uh, They've turned Jabril Peppers into a very good player. They have found players, maybe not as often as they did during the Brady years, but they're still finding players. But there is a massive drop-off in the pass game, and that is the issue in New England right now.
0: There's also, there's nothing wrong with saying this doesn't work without Tom Brady. Like, it doesn't mean you're saying... He's worthless. Like, yeah. Bill Belichick is garbage. Well, think about
1: without Brady, the level is six right. championships and ten straight AFC championships, and every division and, you know, all the level is so high,
0: right? And we kind of knew this already, right? Like Brady gets hurt, and Matt Castle comes in, and an undefeated team ends up winning eleven games, you know, and then and, and misses the playoffs, right? Now, it's an extreme version. It's a small sample size, etc. But like that's probably a fair benchmark that with Brady they are contending with the Super Bowl every single year. Without Brady, they are a borderline playoff team in most seasons, and they're basically the Minnesota Vikings, right? Like, that's what we're talking about here. That's not an unfair thing. But that doesn't make the coach bad. It just means that in order for them to have a dynasty, you need an all-time great quarterback or a great quarterback attached to it that becomes an all-time great when everything else is – like, when the combination is true. Like – this is just the way the NFL works. Like, Andy Reid goes from, yeah, I can win with pretty much anybody,
1: but you give me Mahomes and we can make something special happen here. So that's, uh, that's what's hanging over this game from a storyline perspective. As far as the actual on-field matchup, you've got uh, Mac Jones and Gardner Minshew. Neither quarterback's really playing great. I did see some other numbers, um, QBR in particular, that likes Gardner Minshew yeah. this year. That he's uh, showing well in QBR. Um, they don't factor in turnover-worthy plays, like we do, where he has all of them. Uh, uh, it, this is this is a battle of the two leaders in turnover-worthy plays this year. Mac Jones with 18, Gardner Minshew with 17. Um, I still think Minshew's a capable, quality QB, but yeah you know, his decision-making has not been great this year, as we've highlighted on the last few preview shows.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the worst stretch of play that Minshew has had in the NFL. So you can look at that two ways. You can either say, he's just not that good, and now we're seeing it. Or you can say, he probably can't play
1: this badly for that long. We've seen better from him, and we're due. Um, But... Highest percentage of turnover-worthy plays really quick. Tyson Bajant, despite all the hype. Yeah. P.J. Walker, Gardner Minshew, Desmond Ritter, Mac Jones. Yeah. Um but
0: I wouldn't necessarily expect the good version of Minshew to suddenly manifest against the New England Patriots defense.
1: Yeah, I think the Patriots, you know, they're still capable defensively. They're doing a nice job in the run game. I think Indy's uh Indy's run game versus uh New England's run defense is a pretty solid matchup. If they do make the Colts one dimensional, could be an issue. Um and then again, New England offensively. They're in that rut where I don't think Mac Jones is playing great, but every single time he does seem to make a good throw, the game-ending interception that he put on Juju Smith-Schuster's hands, uh, every time Mac Jones seems to make a good throw, receivers aren't coming down with it. So it's not a great group of receivers. Mac Jones not playing very well. Um, I don't know if you saw Burt Breer's little analysis. He was trying to report from what they were seeing inside the building. said there was a play last week where Mac Jones made an audible. Mm Mm-hmm called an audible, had Hunter Henry wide open down the seam, didn't throw it, and then ran for three yards instead. And, and so what I'm saying, they, it does feel like Mac Jones, like he doesn't look anything like what he looked like as a rookie as far as seeing the field, making good decisions. It's one of those things. When next time we have J.T. O'Sullivan on, why do quarterbacks go into slumps? What makes for a slump for a quarterback? as far as seeing the field and vision and decision-making, not just like he make, he's making some bad throws. Like there's something, there's something wrong from a decision-making standpoint right now for Mac Jones that wasn't there a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing like when a quarterback, Mac Jones, the, call, the, the calling card, the book on him was good decisions, smart processor, quick processor, accurate, all those things, right? Well, if you stop making good decisions – Now you're just an accurate quarterback that's throwing the ball to the wrong place. So the accuracy doesn't make any difference either. And you don't have the tools to do anything else. So now you're just bad. (laughs) That's I mean, that's the reality right now. If you've taken away the biggest strength that Mac Jones has, then we're not left with anything. And that's where the Patriots
1: are right now. They need to get that version of Mac Jones back. Yeah. So where are you going to go in this one? Colts favored by one and a half in Germany.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots.
1: You think Belichick's going to save his job here?
0: Oh, apparently. Uh, I more think that Belichick is going to cause problems for Minshew. Yeah, I'll go, uh, I'm going to go Indy here. I also think, by the way, one sneaky element of the Patriots is that offensive line is better than it was earlier in the year. So the, the platform for everything on offense is better. It just Now you need the other
1: stuff to like, yeah. readjust to that. I mean, they played a very good game just two weeks ago against the Bills. You know, it's, it's trying to, or three weeks ago, whatever it was. It's tough to figure out when that might happen for New England. But most games this year, they've been, uh, they've been overwhelmed. Um, give me Indy. No, give me New England. They've just burned me every time I expect them to bounce back. Like, they should be better. They should be better. I like this matchup against the Colts. All right, Packers and Steelers. Steelers favored by three here against the Packers. Of course, the Steelers trying to keep... Keep pace in the loaded AFC North. Over under 39 via DraftKings. What are we looking for here in this game? Um, I think over under – I think there's only two games over 42 this year or this week. That's not great. No.
0: I I mean, I like defense. You like defense? Yeah. Do you, though?
1: Sometimes. (laughs) I like good defense, not bad offense. Good defense, not bad offense. Um, Potential – just going to throw this out there: potential George Pickens squeaky wheel game.
0: You, you think know? they're just going to feed George Pickens?
1: Yes. I saw uh, our friend uh, Brett Coleman had one of his. Uh, he had his picks out there. Had, you know, some same game parlay out there, and he needed one of those. It was like one of those gimme parlays that you get from companies. Mm-hmm. And all he needed for George Pickens was over a half yard receiving, and he didn't get it.
0: Yeah, we had negative one. I thought, didn't we talk about that extent? Oh, no, that was with Trevor. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You weren't on that show because you're only a part time podcast. Yeah, I was working that day on Friday.
1: Yeah. My bad. Well, more people are watching us now than we're watching the Friday recap show. So some people didn't hear that story. It's kind of like when they say, what they say in radio, Sam, in radio, you have a new audience every seven minutes.
0: Seven minutes.
1: Every seven minutes. Which is why if you listen to the same radio show for three straight hours, they're going to say the same stuff at the top of every hour and repeat themselves because it's a whole new audience. We're live on YouTube. We might have people coming and going. And I know certainly there's different people that will listen last Friday versus this Thursday. So it's okay to repeat yourself. And I'm going to stop apologizing for repeating myself because I do it a lot. That's fine. All right, carry on. Um, What are you looking for in this
0: game? Okay, so you got an interesting schematic matchup where uh, Pittsburgh just doesn't target the middle of the field for whatever reason. Um, I think Green Bay's strengths are on the perimeter at corner rather than in the middle of the field. So that becomes kind of fascinating. The other thing is, like, does anybody even need to watch this game before, like, the fourth quarter? Can he pick it? Well, Kenny Pickett and Jordan Love's first Jordan. half, second half splits are insane. Oh, I
1: like that. That's good. I might black it out. I'll black it out for the first three quarters and then tune in.
0: That's what, Okay, so for in the fourth quarter this season, Kenny Pickett has a grade of 81.8, and Jordan Love is at 63 point. So his his 63
1: point uh, – 67.3, rather. Do so you, his good must come in the third quarter. It does. I posted it after the Thursday night game, but over the last two years, since Kenny Pickett has entered the league – in games within seven points in the fourth quarter the highest graded qbs in the nfl tom brady from last year kenny pickett patrick mahomes hmm
0: okay so first half grades for these two are basically the same kenny pickett has a 55.7 pff grade passing grade in the first half and jordan love is a 53.2 and then jordan love seems to come alive in the third quarter and then kenny pickett saves it till the fourth quarter and becomes Tom Brady. So this game, essentially, <laughs> don't watch the first half. Tune in on the th- in the third quarter yeah. to see Jordan Love and the Packers pull ahead, right, and establish what looks like an unassailable 10-point lead. And then the fourth quarter will be Kenny Pickett coming back and pulling another ridiculous win out of the bag when the Steelers are outgained and outperformed by – he'll get a touchdown in the final seconds to pull it out. So that's – there we go. I'll just – that's the game that's how it's going to go what's the line Pittsburgh by three so they will they will end up being they'll Win by four yeah they'll for the, the Kenny Pickett will cover with the final couple of plays of the game with a winning touchdown I'm
1: putting it in Pittsburgh uh cut that audio and we'll just we'll just play that Monday morning that's gonna that's be the recap. that's
0: gonna be the Baker Mayfield thing remember when we no was it it was, it was uh, Baker,
1: yeah. We, you predicted Baker off the bench.
0: Predicted Baker off the bench, and, and, Nick and we Mullins. predicted Nick
1: Mullins tearing up the Raiders. You did. Yeah. We had a stretch of really predicting those Thursday night <laughs> games back in 2018 uh-huh. at a very high level. Um, I assume on that Friday show you talked about all the crazy Steelers stats coming into the season e- in the recap show. Yeah, the fact, yes. It's the, the opposite. You know the tungsten arm, O'Hallahan o- o- or whatever, you know, tungsten arm what? joke. You know the joke about Shohei Ohtani and uh, Mike Trout, that famous tweet that w- was going live? No. So it's something like every— I do at least know who both those people are. Okay. Though, so. so somebody tweeted a while back, it's like, everything I see about the Angels is Shohei Ohtani just did— you know, Mike Trout goes three for five with two home runs, and Shohei Ohtani just did something that's never been done since old Tungsten Arm or something back in 1920, and the Angels lose five mm. to three. Right, Because the Angels have two of the best players of all time on their team, right? and they keep losing. And I just made the point that the Steelers are the opposite of that tweet, which is they right. just set this record for being outgained out in every single game, and they still have a winning record. Everything that the Steelers do makes no sense, Yeah, and at the end of the day, they're winning. That's the Steelers.
0: Yeah, like every, every stat you see for the Steelers is like a, a record for futility, particularly in
1: offense, and yet they win the game at the end of it. They are undefeated. When Matt Canada is at field level, though, 1-0. 1-0. And I assume he'll be back at field level. For this well, you game can't go back Packers. now. I mean, you have to keep him at field level. Not this, I mean, it's just... A couple <laughs> matchups to watch in this game, though. Uh, squeaky wheel George Pickens. Okay. Him against Jerry Alexander, anytime they're matched up. Last week, we talked about Carrington Valentine, the seventh-round rookie, had a really nice game. Great game. Um, Zach Tom, the right tackle for the Packers against T.J. Watt, is a nice little matchup. Yikes. And then Rashawn Gary, anytime he's rushing the passer, both sides against the Steelers' offensive line, both tackles, uh, all three tackles, you know, having some issues as far as pass protection goes. Broderick Jones got the start last week at right tackle. He'd done pretty well for three quarters. He was the opposite of Pickens. Finally started losing some reps in the fourth quarter, but they didn't really matter because Pickens, uh, P- uh, Pickett got rid of the ball quickly. Yeah. So matchups to watch there. Mm-hmm. So are you taking Pittsburgh. Uh, in, yeah, because I have you've to, just described. I've just,
0: yes, I've illustrated how they are going to win by four points and cover in the final moments of the game.
1: Perfect. All right, let's go, Cleveland Brown. I'm also taking Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh.
0: Dontavian Wicks, by the way, for the Packers receiver is sort of becoming a bigger part of that offense. And okay, he had the cartoon Looney Tunes fumble last week, where he literally threw the ball at the corner from the floor. That wasn't great. Uh, outside of that, though, that wasn't great. He. He caught I, four targets, four catches. Each one of them, I think, moved the chains. Like, he's actually becoming a, a significant part of this offense. Um, and I, is, like, a, a player worth watching. Like, assuming he doesn't throw the ball to the defense again, that's a, he's a useful player that they can um, target.
1: Caught my eye when we were watching them in person in training camp. Oh, yeah? Wicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's go uh, Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. What's the line here? Ravens by six against the Browns. Uh, rematch from week two I believe it was and week two Ravens won and it was P.J. Walker game yeah so Watson got hurt on opening night
0: this is six even with Watson
1: am I in the right um what week was it sorry it's week four my gosh 28 to 3 the Ravens won in the last matchup
0: Yeah, but this is six even with Deshaun Watson
1: as the QB? Is that what we're... I mean, you put six into the... Six is the correct line. I'm just like... I don't think Watson's been hurt. That's I apologize. Let me me reset this whole thing. This was DTR got the start. It was kind of last minute. Dorian Thompson-Robinson got the start. He had three actual interceptions, five turnover-worthy plays, sacked four times, PFF grade of 38.2. That's what happened back in week four. There was a few short fields for the Ravens. I think they had one really long drive in there as well. Um, And this was where the the Browns had had, had—their defense still has great numbers, but the Browns had had ridiculous numbers defensively through three weeks. Ravens were the first team to have a little bit of success against them.
0: Deshaun Watson not on the injury report for the first time forever. forever.
1: But it's Baltimore at home where they have been whooping teams, particularly NFC teams like the Lions and the Seahawks.
0: The Browns probably still have the best defense in the NFL, and Deshaun Watson, for whatever he's been in Cleveland, is a notable step forward at the quarterback position from DTR or PJ.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, Watson, Watson's pl- finally playing a little bit better. I mean, we, coming into the season, two things we said that haven't gone exactly as is, but we said if Watson plays 75 PFF grade type of football, the Browns will be much better. What we didn't know is that the Browns' defense would be this as good as they are, and so I think that's right. that's that's true even more today than it was back in August when we said that. Because if the Browns' defense keeps it up, their pass rush has been relentless. They play more man coverage than any team in the league, and they uh, make uh, QBs have to make difficult throws against that D. And um, yeah, if Watson can build on last week, they're a tough team. Two ends of the head coach speak uh, spectrum
0: here. On the one hand, you've got Arthur Smith. Uh, giving a five-minute diatribe to explain why Bijan Robinson isn't getting the ball in the red zone. I watched all five minutes, and I still don't know what the answer is. Um, On the other hand, you've got Kevin Stefanski, when asked about Deshaun Watson's health, simply replied, he's good. That's it.
1: Done. Answered. Next. He also said he's going to start in a game where he had no chance of starting. Whatever.
0: That's cool, though. He's back. He's back, and he's ready, and he's not PJ. That's the important thing.
1: Yeah, it makes it for, it makes for one of the more intriguing games mm-hmm. in the NFL this week. Um, you always get that Miles Garrett versus Ronnie Stanley matchup at left tackle. Ravens' offensive line was outstanding last week against Seattle. That's going to be one of the matchups of the week. Baltimore's offensive line against this Cleveland defensive front. Other than that one play where Stanley got ruined by uh, probably two
0: plays, but Leonard Williams
1: yeah. and Boye Mafe,
0: two plays. Okay, yeah.
1: I think, right, total? Yeah. But other than that, they were great. Ravens defense also looking outstanding. Yeah, I, I mean, I love – it feels like a lot, of the, a lot of the moves that we really liked from Baltimore that we thought were shrewd through the years are just coming true here. Um, center Tyler Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton in the first round a couple years ago when they traded Marquise Brown. Uh, trading for Roquan Smith finding something in his game that said he's going to fit better in Baltimore than he did in Chicago and that's been true Um, they've just a lot of those things are really starting to pay off I think here for the Ravens
0: yeah and Geno Stone leading the league in interceptions even if they even if it is a Jarius Bird type season where the ball is just being magnetized in his
1: direction it's still
0: happening like it doesn't matter why it's happening the fact that it's happening is the important part for them
1: yeah that's huge Um, And then going back to the Watson thing, 78.5 grade last week against Arizona. um, He had, I apologize, I was wrong about, I misspoke. I read the comments. I misspoke on Monday, and I said that Watson went one for five with two interceptions against the Colts in that little start that he had that lasted five dropbacks. He had two turnover-worthy plays, not two interceptions, right? So sometimes I look at the right stat and not the real stat.
0: What percentage of this show is now just you correcting previous incorrect things
1: you said? 5%. Okay. Give or take. All right. I could be wrong about that, though. (laughs) And I can adjust (laughs) on the— We can correct it on Monday. Yeah, correct it. That'll be part of the 5%. Great. Perfect. Um, But Watson's last two starts, where he started and finished, uh, week three against Tennessee, 27 of 33, 74.6 grade. He was good other than the play that he threw the ball backwards that game. That wasn't great. Right? And then last week against Arizona, his two highest grades. Let me make sure I don't misspeak here. <laughs> I believe, Let me go back to 2022, <laughs> yes, those are his two highest grades as Browns quarterback. Perfect.
0: And they've come. In, in his
1: last two starts, games in which he started and finished. Right. They've
0: come in, essentially, his last two healthy starts. If we assume that the Week 7 game where he lasted five dropbacks and broke himself again was probably one he shouldn't have been out for. So
1: that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, One, and then one matchup I always highlight when the Ravens and Browns play each other is uh, JOK, Jeremiah Owuso-Karamoa. And with how often the Browns like to play man coverage Mm -hmm. relative to the rest of the league, JOK in a uh, spy type situation with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if that's a part of the game plan or not, but it would be for me cuz JOK can move and the Browns can play that man coverage. And I think it's going to be a great matchup on that side of the ball. The only receiver the Browns have
0: grading well is Amari Cooper this year. Yeah. So, everybody else has a receiving grade of in the 50s or 40s. One of them was traded away. Uh and it's just Amari Cooper, effectively.
1: Cooper's mostly been QB-proof, whether it was DTR yeah. or P.J. Walker. That's where the big plays went. And that's not factoring in David Njoku, by the way. He would be the other one grading well, but a tight end. Yeah. Well, Njoku against um, another matchup, too. Kyle Hamilton has a 90 grade when covering tight ends this year. Tight end eraser? In that isn't that ballpark there, right? Kyle Hamilton's making some big plays against tight ends, so you get Hamilton against Njoku as another matchup to watch. A lot of fun matchups in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the point I was making though is that Cleveland have a very defined like there are two, maybe three people you need to be concerned about as a defense. Like if you can if you can guard Amari Cooper, then guard David Njoku, and then just be atten- just pay attention to Kareem Hunt out of the backfield, you're set because nobody else is a threat apparently at this this so far this year. Like their their game plan on defense should be we're going to force Elijah Moore to carry this offense as a receiver because there's no evidence so
1: far that he can do that. Uh, this is uh, just from a storyline perspective. I used to say this about cousins. when he, You know, they paid a lot of money in Minnesota to bring cousins in. And I said, this, this is, is the, the game, game, right? This, this is it game. for Watson. This is why you brought Deshaun Watson in. This is why. This is why you kick Baker Mayfield
0: out of the building to bring yeah. Deshaun Watson in and everything yeah. that went along with that. Like.
1: This is why. If you can't do it now, what do you do? And really, it's the next two weeks. It's Ravens and Steelers the next two weeks in a division where everybody's 5-3 and three or better. Um, you've got the Jags in a few weeks as well, the Texans, the Jets, the Bengals, the last game of the season. Like, this is the stretch why you took the PR hit that you took in Cleveland. You were willing to suck that up for whatever it's worth to bring in Deshaun Watson because this was supposed to get you over the hump as a team. And I think the Browns, as an organization, have done a really nice job building this team. That's why they're five and three, despite the quarterback situation this year. This is the game, massive game. Deshaun Watson, um, can he put his best foot forward here against the Ravens, who are seven and two, and might be the best all-around team in the AFC right now? So in the NFL or in the NFL? So where are you going in this game? Baltimore favored by six.
0: I'm going with Cleveland. Uh I I buy that defense generally and I think that Deshaun Watson a quarterback is just a different proposition for them than either DTR or PJ. I'm also taking Cleveland. I've agreed so with you a about. lot.
1: I know, it feels like a lot for a team. I think I think this game versus
0: the best defense in the NFL
1: yeah. in a in a year where points are down. I mean, that's a lot. The last two games though, Baltimore at home. Sure. Let me grab those. What was it? 37 to 3 and 38 to 6 yeah over the last two week, uh two home games against good teams against good NFC teams right right which might i don't know maybe that's an NFC thing but it is at home for baltimore um last week we had a lot of the same picks i think i ended up with 8 you had 6 i do have to tally our picks mm-hmm. at some point the previous week i had 3 wins you had 6 are we still losing to your 8 year old um he might be back this week he had to miss last week so we'll have to <laughs> through, we'll we'll have to use win percentages for disciplinary reasons Broke team rules. He did break team rules. Had to skip football last week. We'll see if he's back this week, and we'll get, we'll get his picks. All right, I'll also take Cleveland, getting the six. Uh, New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings. Saints favored by two and a half here, a couple five and four teams. Um, Saints maybe finally hitting their stride these last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings, of course, they're hot five and four now or 21. five and yeah five and four now after an 0-3 start and josh Dobbs. it's so only one week
0: team yeah only one team in the nfl has a longer win streak than the minnesota vikings they're playing well man
1: uh and it's not the 7-1 team by the way either <laughs> it's, it's jacksonville and they did it with dobbs with just uh in a backup role not even knowing the cadence. I mean not even Didn't know anything. team not knowing anything. Didn't know about, his teammates, didn't, didn't know his Cadence, team names, didn't know the
0: plays, yeah. knew nothing. It's
1: awesome. Yeah. He had a fun Instagram post showing Creed and everything. Everybody's throwing the Creed uh you know shout outs for Kirk. Yeah. Did you see the the Vikings fan like decked out in the Vikings
0: gear, <laughs> like he shaved his eyebrows after the, the game in solidarity with Josh Dobbs?
1: See there are people who go to games. Yeah. That do that type of stuff. Yeah, I have a feeling they're not the type of people that listen to our podcast. I don't think that we, we attract the Eyebrow guy shavers. that the guy that shaves his eyebrows to you know to match the starting quarterback. The guy that face you know paints his face. The guy that tailgates for 19 hours a day. You know, starting on Saturday, getting into Sunday, and that's like that's their whole weekend. I don't know if we get no. too many of those
0: listeners. I don't know. Face painting seems like a low level. You know, you can get into that. Eyebrow shaving is—that's some pretty high level. Commitment.
1: Yeah, but like the guy that wears the Viking, like you, you wear like all the gear, and yeah. like that's your thing, or like Fireman Ed, like Fireman Ed's not listening Who's to our that, show. He's, he's just like, oh, I'm just gonna root for the Jets. Every the
0: week. Vikings have one of those guys, right? What's his name? I forget the guy's name, but the guy that used to catch Randy Moss every time he scored a touchdown, like yeah. Moss would always go to the one dude dressed up as the Viking. I forget yeah. what his name was. The but point, the
1: point I'm trying to make is. Those guys go to great lengths and everything. Yeah. They're not bigger football fans than I am. You though. keep saying that. They They're are. They are. They're not a bigger football you
0: fan. You would never shave your eyebrows to
1: match Josh Dobbs as your quarterback. That's not the and that thing makes that you... puts you over the top
0: it is. in fandom. That means he's a bigger fan than Just you. Just
1: because I'm sitting in my ex-chair every single Sunday with 12 games on at any given time, yeah. that's my way of being a big football fan, the guy that's gonna shave his eyebrows is not a bigger fan than me. That's not a better show of solidarity with the game of football than what I have, what I do.
0: You would never shave your eyebrows for your team and that makes him better than you. I
1: wouldn't shave my eyebrows for much. That's what I'm saying. That's why he's a better fan than you. He's not a better fan. They're not bigger fans. The guy in the same row at the Bengals game the other day that was wearing the overalls with the Bengals stuff, that was drinking all day, and like, oh, I'm a big Bengals fan. He's not a bigger fan than me of football.
0: Forget the eyebrow shaving. You're just objectively a terrible fan. When Tom Brady left the Patriots, you're like, I'm not even a Patriots fan anymore.
1: I'm not a fan. You outright abandoned your team the second your quarterback left. Unbiased football. You
0: are an awful fan.
1: Unbiased football fan.
0: So, of Uh, course the eyebrow shaver is a
1: better fan than you. I told you that. So is in fact almost everybody. Unbiased football analyst here uh-huh. is what I am. So we're gonna we're gonna, but I'm a football fan, fan of football. I root for the Shield. <laughs> Rob Lowe. I'm
0: Rob Lowe. That's the kind of exactly that's my point in a nutshell. That's a football done. fan. You've made my I'm point for me. I'm a fan of football.
1: Me. You are the Rob Lowe of football fans. Let's stick to the game, Sam. Let's stick to the game. <laughs> Two and a half Saints are favorite here in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, the Josh
0: Dobbs thing was fun last week. Uh, he played well last week. It was all sparked by, you know, his ability to scramble, essentially. Like, that's that's what started the comeback. Um was that crazy play where he was backed up to the 32 and ends up getting a first down at, like, the three-yard line. Uh, the Saints have got this aggressive defense. You know, they're, they're going to be aggressive up front, but they're going to be aggressive with the receivers as well. Like, they beat up receivers. They challenge throws at the catch point. One of the most amazing things about that game to me was, despite knowing nothing, Dobbs didn't put the ball in harm's way a lot in terms of throwing. Now, there were fumbles, et cetera, but I was amazed how few sort of bad decisions with the football he made. Yeah. Even just you would have expected multiple miscommunication plays where I'm throwing here thinking a receiver is going to be there, and he wasn't because I don't know the play. And it didn't happen. So are the Saints going to be able to manufacture a couple of those really big passing mistakes from him because uh, if they are I think that's enough to win the game but if Dobbs can keep it clean again between the offensive scheme and his athleticism there's enough there
1: I, I always feel like the Saints defense their pass defense is maybe better than it is and it, it could just be because over the last few years they have those elite shutdown types of games this year the Saints 12th best EPA per play allowed in the pass game um, but as we saw last week, Paulson Adebo is playing great, making plays on the ball. Marshawn Lattimore is still there. Um, I do wonder from a Minnesota perspective, are they just really good at receiver beyond Justin Jefferson? Or like, are they good, better than we thought with Addison and you know, what, they've, what, what they've gotten from guys like K.J. Osborne, what they've gotten at tight end from T.J. Hawkinson? Are they just better than we anticipated? And it actually would have been when Justin Jefferson gets back and if Kirk was still there, which they're only, actually really
0: dangerous. Yeah, which is only a week away,
1: by the way. Like, they've, they've activated him essentially now. But Jefferson's practicing. And I'm not saying they're going to be – look, Kirk Cousins is better than Josh Dobbs. Um, the Josh Dobbs story is amazing. Um, but maybe Minnesota's even more dangerous in the passing game than we anticipated because of Addison's emergence and what um, the trickle-down effect of everyone else stepping up without Justin Jefferson. I, mean, I think But I think Ad- that matchup, I'm saying, with the Saints defense is a good one here.
0: Yeah, I think Addison is very good. Having said that, Addison is now... I think I don't know if this is a great matchup for them. So Addison is very good. The, the characteristic of those New Orleans DBs is aggression, physicality. Yep. That's still the area of Addison's game that you have the most concerns about. There was another play, I think, last week where ball's in his hands, hit comes in, ball comes out of his hands. Like, Remember we talked about that the first time it happened, a couple of times in a single game? And you're like, was that just two, uh, quote unquote, freak instances, but back to back? Or is that like a thing that, that highlights his relative lack of strength and size? Um, it happened a third time. It's still small sample sizes. It might just be a run of three plays where that's the thing. Or that might be, you're not as strong as New Hopkins or T. Higgins or, you know, guys that are bigger than you. So this is another test where the thing the Saints are going to be testing is that physicality and that strength and that kind of thing. Um, so if Addison isn't able to be a big factor in this game, now you're turning to K.J. Osborne, to Brandon Powell, who's been pretty good, actually, um, to T.J. Hawkinson, you know, to other players
1: in that offense. It, it is different. Um, other side of the ball, after weeks of expecting the Saints to break out, I think they have these last couple weeks offensively looking much better. Uh, Taysom Hill getting involved, and I feel like at the right times, um, again, our friend Greg was like, hey, I wasn't expecting Taysom Hill to have maybe his best season at 33 years old, whatever he is, without Sean Payton. But here we are, Taysom Hill having a game like last week where he's throwing for a touchdown and he's catching a touchdown. And and maybe it's the right time, right? Where a couple of years ago, I didn't like taking Drew Brees off the field for Taysom Hill. But given that as much as we've highlighted Derek Carr's struggles in the red zone, not just this year, but in previous years as well, Taysom Hill as the red zone change of pace might be just the right the right balance here for the Saints offense. Yeah, it's entirely possible. So Saints offense against this Vikings defense, the Vikings' second-worst pass rush grade in the NFL. Saints bottom five, bottom eight pass-blocking unit. Um, I don't know if the Vikings can take advantage of that. So I kind of like the Saints to have another another good game offensively here.
0: Yes, unfortunate though it is. I'm agreeing with you. I also am going with the Saints. We uh, we got an email in live on the show just to fact-check your oh, idiocy. Um, this one is from Philly Joe, frequent emailer, I believe, of the show. Hey, Sam, listening live. Steve just said that the guy who tailgates for 15 hours a day does not listen to your show. I am that guy and daily listen. I'm also a bigger fan than Steve who roots for the shield. That's super lame.
1: Philly <laughs> Joe. It's hard All to right. argue with any of that. All right. Throw this in the 5% of the show that I correct myself. I stand corrected. <laughs> I appreciate Philly Joe. Um, I assume he's... Let's, let's have him respond again. I assume he's a Philly fan. He is. His, his sign-off
0: on his email, you know, his signature, includes the phrase, Dallas sucks. Oh, that's good. That's so he's, that's again, good. that's just another way. He's a bigger fan than you. That's, dedica- that's dedication. Uh huh. You dedication. would never do that because you're not a, that big a fan.
1: All right. I need more information on the tailgate. Uh, I'm not a drinker, so I'm not, I wouldn't drink. But if there's good food there, I wouldn't mind coming by the, the tailgate at some point, hanging out if you got food. I'm mm-hmm. going to invite myself.
0: To his tailgate? Yeah. In Philly? Yeah. Okay. At some point. That seems pretty presumptuous of you,
1: particularly for a guy who's only interested in the shield. Would he have me? <laughs> I like food. I like good food from tailgates. Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. do that. Maybe you'd have me as a dedicated listener. Maybe. All right. As I said, the 1 o'clock slate is solid. San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Niners lost three straight. They're 5-3 and three coming off their bye. Taking on the Jags also coming off their bye. They're six and two,
0: with the longest win streak in the NFL. That's what the, the, you just looking at win streaks this week. I just we already covered that. A Jags one Vikings two, and now Seven. it's come up. Yeah, Jags one. There's three or four teams tied with two.
1: Dynamite drop in. Thank you, Debo Samuel, likely back here. Same with Trent Williams, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, um, in this world of on-off splits and AB analysis and all that, and yes. is uh. We've had a lot of these things with the Niners, right? Because they, they, when Brock Purdy showed up, they became really good and didn't lose. Mm-hmm. But he also showed up right after Christian McCaffrey showed up as well. Right. And Christian McCaffrey had made an, 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 an impact when Jimmy G was out there. Now we have Debo Samuel gets hurt, and the Niners just fall apart. Start losing. And Trent Williams. And Trent Williams. So we've got a lot of these... So it's never clean. There's yeah. always two, at least, possible explanations.
0: Or the third option, door number three, where it's both of them at the same time, creates the thing. But either way, they're both back this week, so the 49ers theoretically should be back to where they are
1: and snap the three-game skid. Yeah, Trent Williams, officially questionable. He sat out practice, but he's at that point of his career where, you know, you can sit right. out practice.
0: But he's been back at practice and yes.
1: you know, looking like he might actually give it a go. So on one hand, you would say, of course, Brock Purdy has regressed a little bit. The defense is catching the passes that he's throwing to them, and they they weren't earlier in the season. That's still probably just the answer. But there is something about this Niners team being fully healthy, fully loaded, and that is what makes them very difficult to stop. So great matchup against a Jags defense that's number four EPA per play allowed against the pass and has been stout against the run as well. Yeah, Jags
0: have had a good defense. Um, I, I think it really the thing to focus on is is those returning players. Do we see the 49ers' offense bouncing back to what it's supposed to look like? Because, look, the Cincinnati defense, Cincinnati generally, like the Bengals right now, they're honestly might not be a better team in the NFL than the Bengals right at this moment. So it's the one loss the 49ers have had that makes sense, that's excusable. Losing to Minnesota the way they lost makes no sense and isn't excusable. Like the other two games – are the ones to be concerned about from a 49ers perspective. Um, and the fact that they came back to back, like you could the Cleveland one, right? You can excuse. And, and that's an elite defense as well, but you can excuse one bad day at the office. It happens. Everyone loses a game pretty much whatever doing it again the next week. That's bad. And then the third game just makes it look worse because it's three in a row, but that was the one that makes the most sense. So point being, can they actually bounce back now with these guys returning and right the ship and you know make the point that they are theoretically one of the best four teams in the NFL still.
1: Yeah, I mean sometimes that's the that's the fun thing about the NFL. It's like when you when you play a team, right. You know, if you had played the Bengals in the first 5 weeks, I mean the Titans with Tannehill, who's now been benched. The Titans with Tannehill destroyed the Bengals. Right? I mean that just that stuff just, just happens at different times of the year. Um, I still love this matchup, though. Um, Kyle Shanahan going up against a really good Jags defense, as we've said. Darius Williams at corner playing really well. Just the secondary in general for the Jags playing really well. The other thing I want to highlight is the Jags linebackers, right? In those, we talk a lot about Shanahan and the stress he puts on the defense and how it's, it's mostly directed at linebackers, right? I mean, those are the guys that are uh, that he puts on a string, and you got to play the run, and you've got to play the pass and all that. Um, The linebacker play for Jacksonville has been really good. Uh, Foye Olakun, Devin Lloyd, second-year player, playing extremely well. And if you look at the games that the Niners lost, the teams that beat them, Bengals, the Vikings, the Browns, they got really good performances from their linebackers in those games. So to me, that's the matchup to watch here, what the Jags have done um, at the second level. Because they're not... They're not rushing the passer great. I mean, we've, we've highlighted that a bunch this year where it's really Josh Allen having an excellent season off the edge for the Jags. They're not getting much pressure elsewhere. So to me, it's that back seven, particularly the, the linebackers and safeties who are going to make the difference here maybe for the Jags.
0: Yeah, I was curious. I just fired up the data now.
1: Um, I love the, yeah, so like the live look in right? It's like people are, are, are joining us in our game research. We're yeah. doing it live on the air.
0: Uh, linebacker play generally in the NFL is up this year. You know, if you notice the PFF grades, there's a lot more grading well, corresponding with this whole defense resurgent type of thing. And yet, typically, as you say, Kyle Shanahan, more than anybody, puts linebackers in an absolute blender and has specifically targeted some of them down the years, et cetera, et cetera. So I was just curious how linebackers are grading this year versus the 49ers. Um, You have JOK with an insane grade of 91 when they played the Browns. Uh, you, then you've got three guys, Jordan Hicks, Christian uh, Roseboom, and Logan Wilson with reasonable grades and then everybody else still grading pretty badly.
1: Yeah, So that's what I looked up. I actually looked that up last night and it was every team that had beaten them pretty much had at least one guy that was good there, right? Yeah, and
0: even guys that are pretty good linebackers or having reasonable seasons didn't have good games against the 49ers other than those guys we mentioned.
1: Um, from a Jacksonville perspective, I think it's another game where you say, "Okay, how, how are they taking this next step as a team?" They beat Buffalo back in Week Five. Um, have, you know, they lost to the Chiefs seventeen to nine back in Week Two. I think if you're you're an ascending Jags team that you know is taking the right steps, right? They kind of turned a corner midseason last year, made the playoffs, had a nice run there lost to the Chiefs, who are just a better overall team, and went on to win the Super Bowl. But now the Jags, what, which games are they going to really be tested for the rest of the season? It's this game against the Niners. They have the Bengals in Week 13. I think it's a Thursday night game. They have Baltimore in Week 15. I mean, those are, those, those are the games where the Jags are going to say, okay, are we the, the team that can actually make a Super Bowl run here? Yeah. So 6-2 Jacksonville team. This is a huge game, even though it's you know with an NFC team. Just to uh, just to prove their worth,
0: yeah, it's a big game for them to you know really keep their run going and show that they you know after struggling for a few weeks where their receivers weren't making plays for Trevor Lawrence, now everything is actually firing, and the team looks good. so it's a big game for them against a legit opposition to show, yeah, we can do it um, and then for San Francisco, it's huge because if they lose four in a row that's
1: that's bad. Um, the other thing to remember here that's very important. Back in nineteen ninety nine. Uh-huh. Week one, Niners at Jags. Steve Young versus Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel against Mark Brunel light. What a matchup. Two lefties. a Couple lefties. Don't get similar that. Similar styles. Number eight, the whole thing. Steve Young trying to be the next Mark Brunel. Jags win forty one to three. Forty one to three. Forty one to three. That was uh Steve Young went like nine for twenty five. got uh beat up physically and just emotionally probably <laughs> um it was a beatdown in the rain in jacksonville
0: huh.
1: in the rain in the rain maybe steve couldn't throw in the rain. yeah that i mean it was the, it was the last year of his career and he was perhaps concussed during that game mm. dom caper's defense
0: i wonder if lefties you know two lefties playing each other is like in boxing where southpaws don't like fighting other southpaws because <laughs> it doesn't come up that often yeah i'm
1: sure it's sure it's very much the same thing anyway like mike vick's kryptonite would have been Kellen Moore. had to throw that out there um so the uh the niners are favored by four here in jacksonville the other niners jags game that randomly comes to mind was when jimmy g first got there in 2017 and the jags had that awesome defense that year right had jalen ramsey they were playing that gus bradley cover three scheme and shanahan went in there and they wrecked the jags defense that year um as shanahan seems to do against uh the Pete Carroll cover three tree Uh, yeah I mean it's no relation to any of these to this actual game this week but
0: it's also I I mean you just look at the line people aren't writing off the 49ers yet you know three bad losses in a row or two bad losses and then a loss to make it three losses in a row they're still favored by three against a team that has you know one of the best records in the NFL and has a pretty good resume in terms of being a, a good NFL team so Nobody's jumping ship yet on this 49ers team. If they lose this one, maybe we start to see the line shifting significantly.
1: All right, what do you think, Sam? Niners by three here in Jacksonville.
0: I'm buying into the return of the the important 49ers players. I think that I'm, makes them win and cover.
1: I'm buying into the 99 Jags. No. I'll take the Jags to cover the three. I think this is a big, uh, big prove-it game for them, for Trevor Lawrence. The defense that's played well. Give me the Jags to cover the three here. Mm-hmm. All right, cue the, uh, cue the dramatic music, if we have it. We had some. I don't know if... Well, we can't hear it, so we have no idea what's I happening. I have no idea. Yeah. But we might have dramatic, dramatic music. And then I'm going to say, it's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads, For whatever shave your mind can imagine. AI is cool, but I think this might be the biggest technological advancement the world has ever seen. That's right. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF. High tech for low places. That's Manscaped. Every man knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt why we trust manscaped for all our sensitive areas here on the pff nfl podcast inside this package you'll find the star of the show the lawnmower 5.0 ultra it's their fifth generation trimmer that features two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads a standard a standard one for taking a little off the top and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires we also have dual led spotlights to provide contrast on multiple skin tones three length setting uh, combs And then, of course, the trimmer's waterproof too, as they always are. No more wet shaving down there. Taking it on the go, Manscaped has you covered. This puppy comes with a travel case and even a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering and or weird looks in the airport. That is very important for when you're traveling. This right here is on the cutting edge of cutting pubes. That's right, upgrade your ball trimmer and your life will follow. Our friends at Manscaped have done a great job writing copy once again get 20 percent off plus free sh- free shipping with the code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code pff at manscaped.com i can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship get yours today from our folks over at manscaped there was another seinfeld episode where they were debating things in life that have never improved right like how many products just net they just stay the same they've, they've maxed out and i could say honestly manscaped is not that product no they're, they're at a we fi- We're at a 5.0 ultra. We've been with them since the 1.0. They're at a 5.0 ultra, ultra. right now. We uh, continuous growth. Neil would be proud.
0: Absolutely. Uh, update from Philly Joe in the email mailbag. Steve is welcome whenever. Tell him to just leave that shield stuff at home and wear green. I could do that. There you go.
1: I mean, that's the thing. When you root for the Shield, you can wear. You could be any team fan, hmm. right? I could be a Bengals fan on uh, Sunday night when I was there the hell oh
0: this was eli's thing what is this uh eli attempted to make ai create a picture of you and your son watching football together (laughs) what i think you should grow that mustache how much information goes like how do
1: they know there's that many tvs
0: i don't know they're all old tvs by the way as well as crt things look
1: why are they in the background and not why am i looking away from the tv yeah
0: that's not helping either hey look ai this is is that what harry's gonna look like you probably yeah these are, like, you know, when people are like, why don't you just trust AI, right? Because, like, this is AI. You ask it for things, and this is what it produces. Can we go
1: back to that for a second? Because it feels like my facial hair is dependent on the time that you dressed up as me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is no facial hair below the lip. Correct. But everywhere else above the lip. Yes.
0: So, look, wow. there are some problems with AI, right? And yet people want to leave it running the world.
1: Yeah. I look jacked, though. <laughs>
0: Got that going for me. Yeah, that's a real win. I think you should grow that mustache. That Uh, looks good on fake you.
1: AIU. (laughs) Look at you comparing Harry to J.C. Jackson and Malcolm Butler. (laughs) (laughs) Getting disciplinary action. I'm just saying there's a trend now. Now ask AI to show Harry not watching football last week because he got banned. Got banned from football. All right, where are we here? Last one o'clock game. Houston Texans at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bobby Slowick coming back home oh to God. Cincinnati. Bengals favored by six and a half. Um, is, is Bobby staying at your house or anything? You guys going to get together?
0: No, I, I offered up. I have spare Let's rooms. See. I could have put up. I gave him. I said I could put up two or three Texans players. Four, if we're including Tank Dell.
1: Yeah, I have a couple extra cribs that Tank could probably You could fit.
0: definitely fit several
1: players in your eyes yeah. yeah um you it was in our group chat you did kindly offer a place to stay for bobby i actually asked him if he could babysit saturday night so i could go out that's true he did yeah and he did not reply and yeah uh, did not want to do no. that let's ask let's see let's, let's see when they're actually getting in i'm going to text him <laughs> Tell, talk about the game sam while i'm uh we always text bobby live on the air here yeah so i like no, he i'm sure
0: he loves that i'm sure that's what he really loves this is probably why he goes on shafter rather than our show can't um, believe he went on shafter So, as I said, I don't know that there is a better football team right now than the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow looking 100% healthy, and that offense is absolutely cooking when he's 100% healthy. And then the other thing is, when everything was bad earlier in the year, it wasn't just the offense. Like, obviously, that was the focus because of Burrow's calf, and, you know, they can't win if he's going to be like this all the way through the season. The defense wasn't playing like a Anarumo defense earlier in the year either, and now it is. So now you've got both sides of the ball playing really well. And as I said last week, I don't know that there's a team whose who's best punch is better than the Bengals' best punch. So the only risk really is do they need their best punch against Houston or do they think, oh, the, whew, let's exhale, right? The, the tough game was out of the way. We beat Buffalo. You know, We've got other tough games upcoming, but this one is a bit of a breather and you end up overlooking Houston.
1: They have Baltimore. I mean, when the schedule first came out, I'm sure Bengals fans were thinking that. Right. Because they have the Ravens next Thursday night. That's
0: what I mean. On the short week. So it would be easy to say, we got a win against San Francisco. We got a win against Buffalo. Upcoming is a Thursday night game against Baltimore. This one, you
1: know, this one should be easier. I don't know. I always go back to, I think Zach Taylor gets these guys. um, They'll have some duds in there, here and there. But, I mean, I think they're going to be focused here the rest of the season. I don't think they're going to overlook Houston, especially with all the hype. Now, C.J. Stroud is getting in this Texans offense and what they did last week against the Bucks. I don't think the Bengals are overlooking them at all. Um, I think the question now is, in the second half of the season, nine more games to go for Cincy. Are they going to be able to keep the same level of play like they did last year and go into the playoffs um, looking like one of the best teams in the league or maybe the best team in the league as they went in to the playoffs last year? Um, so I love this matchup. It's another challenge for C.J. Stroud. We know what um, Lou Anarumo's defense will do which is generally change things up and, and they've done when when losing his bag so to speak it's that second half right we have the historical games of you know we're going to rush three against Mahomes we're going to see what they're doing and adjust and so for our friend Bobby and that matchup right going up against Lou Rumo, who's going to make adjustments in the second half um, that's going to be whereas, whereas last week Houston went nuts in the second half right. against Tampa Bay to be able to keep keep pace that's going to be a great matchup in this one
0: yeah it's going to be a great test for bobby for cj stroud for that offense generally you know Rumo's defense is going to disguise some things they're going to um change things up in the second half they're going to come with a specific game plan for this offense which has been doing so well like it's a different test than it was last week which they obviously absolutely passed sailed through um you know how does this offense do and how does stroud do against lou Rumo's defense
1: um, the other thing, I saw Mina highlight it, that the Texans' run game, I mean, their the run game has just been really ineffective yeah. this year. So if you're, if you're trying to make the case for how impressive Stroud's season is, you know, having uh, not only a like – he's grading well, especially for a rookie. He, the production of the offense is at a high level despite the run game at this point. And a lot of times we know if you, if you do make offenses one-dimensional – not by choice right i mean like some teams choose to just pass and that's their thing i mean houston wants to run the ball they're not doing a great job of it but they're still producing in the pass game probably another feather in the cap of the cj stroud narrative if you look at it yeah um i think for cincinnati too the the thing we've highlighted the last few weeks you said the defense was not good early on as mike hilton was terrible and dj reader wasn't doing the same stuff all those players are playing at a high level now.
0: I wonder if Mike Hilton's uh, splits are still very strange from left to right slot corner. Yeah, why were you looking that up? I don't remember. Were you
1: looking that up recently?
0: I, no, I did. I mean, I came across it. I don't remember how I got there, but it did, it did show up. I haven't run it since to find out if he's, like, swung back towards normality or if he's still bizarrely insane
1: off one side versus the other. I ran into somebody last night who was a fan of the pod. Shout out. Oh, yeah? And a Bengals fan who said, uh, "Oh, T-, T. Higgins got hurt at practice today," and I don't, and I didn't hear anything about it. So he was limited due to a hamstring. Was that new? Yesterday for T. Do you know? Yes. That was new. Okay. So we have a new hamstring injury for T. Higgins. Thank you, Eli. Um, coming off of his best game, and again, what what we've been saying about the Bengals the last couple of years? Why are they dangerous? Because obviously Burrow can be great, but we know Jamar Chase can win at any level of the field but then when teams take him away T Higgins is probably the best two and he's a borderline one for many teams in the NFL and we finally saw that last week against the Bills if Higgins ends up being limited that's it that's huge here we also have Derek Stingley returning to practice for Houston they have a massive massive injury report Um, and I don't even know where to unpack 10 to 15 players who are questionable here some who have new injuries uh, like Will Anderson, knee injury, questionable. Um, and you have a guy like Stingley who's designated to return, but we don't know when he'll be back. Yep. You'll be happy to know that uh, Mike Hilton's stats are now much closer, left to right slot corner. I was giving you so much time to, like, add something about this game.
0: am really important information. You can no longer rely on him only that being is. good coming off the left side of the offense.
1: Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we're talking about it, but, you know, the Bengals' defense, how do, how do they match up with all the playmakers that Houston's dropping out there now with Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and the great Noah Brown? The great Noah Brown. um, And Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, yeah. yeah. Um, I would also say Houston's offensive line that we've been so impressed with, that doesn't make sense, right, with all the injuries that they've had, with uh, some of the players that they've had there besides Laramie Tunsil, with a little track record of success. Holding up extremely well, I mean that's you know, can they do it against this Bengals front which which has the potential? has Trey Hendrickson there, Hendrickson versus Laramie Tunsil, one yeah. of the best matchups you'll see this week as well in the NFL
0: No absolutely that will be
1: that'll be a fun one um
0: yeah I'm, I'm, i I'm this is a big line, six and a half points for the Bengals who okay, I'd say I think they're playing as well as anybody in the league right now, but like Houston has not been losing games. And they've been putting up a ton of points. Going to go with they Houston. have been.
1: I wanted Houston originally. The um, the injury report kind of scares me. They have a lot of guys, a lot of guys banged up for the Texans. I'll take. Yeah, but Bobby's coming home. He used to live in Cincy with us. You yeah, know, he's over here. He was all over on the West Side though. I'm a I'm a West Sider now, not living wise, but I hang out over there now, huh. out out West. It's huh. my spot. <laughs> so uh, I'll take Houston as well for Bob. So I picked against him last week out of spite.
0: Out of spite, yeah.
1: But we won- And I did win because they didn't kick the extra point. Mm. So I got it. But I'll, I'll, I'll pick Houston for the homecoming. I think the Bengals win, though. Um, Burrow, the highest-graded QB in the NFL over the last three weeks. And um, I think we've seen that on the field. If he continues that, yeah, Bengals are going to be real tough to beat going forward. Okay. All right, let's get to the 4 o'clock games. Detroit Lions at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Lions favored by three here at the chargers chargers up to four and four now starting to believe again did you see so speaking of
0: uh injury reports the chargers had an injury report that featured one name our guy it doesn't matter who it was just the point being oh that's it they had one person on the injury report the los angeles chargers of cursed injury luck at the you know this point in the season it's usually half the rosters
1: on the injury report and the rest of them were injured does that mean they're poised to be dangerous? Yeah. Everyone who jumped off the bandwagon when they were 2-4, and four, like they're coming back? Now's Could the be, time. Is there room back on the bandwagon for the Chargers? Maybe not against the Lions, man. We'll see. Lions coming off a bye after getting whooped by the Ravens. Yeah. Will they bounce back here? That was a bad. Um, the Lions, they're another team with like pretty steep home road splits. Jared Goff's home road splits in particular. From a pass game perspective, it doesn't mean it's impossible to win on the road, but the road games that they've won, they beat Kansas City week one, 21 to 20, beat the Packers 31 to 20, beat the Bucks, 20 to 6, and then got whooped by the Ravens. Those are the, the road games for the Lions so far.
0: Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson going up against the right side of that Chargers offensive line feels like a win for Hutchinson. And the Lions, um, Justin Herbert is ranked 14th in PFF grade this season, like there have been signs that there's some positive things coming from the Herbert Kellen Moore combination, but it's not doing what it should do, right? Like it's not improving everything. Herbert in particular has been missing a lot of throws. He hasn't been playing as well. His turnover worthy play rate that we were asking to kind of go up as a proxy uh, to make his game more aggressive and better overall. It's gone up, but the other things haven't really improved. So Actually, what we've done is just make Justin Herbert worse since Kevin Moore he, came in.
1: For some perspective there, he's pretty much doubled his turnover-worthy play rate, Herbert. Yep. And his big-time throw rate has gone up 0.5% um, since last year. It's actually below his first two seasons. So you're not getting the big-time throws. I mean, he
0: has one fewer turnover-worthy play than he had all of 2021, and two fewer than he had last season when he had a broken rib breath. That's the, the other broken perspective. broken rib
1: cartilage. Now, we also know, look, big-time... It's an isolated, uh, isolate the quarterback type of stat. We try to isolate the quarterback as much as we can when it comes to PFF grading. Of course, that's the goal. But we know how much big time throws also come down to some opportunities and having those receivers. And without Mike Williams, without, like, they still don't really have that deep threat. Quentin Johnston's one of the lowest yards per route run figures in the NFL right now. He's not become a downfield threat. We know Keenan Allen's not going to do much beyond 10 or 12 yards. That's his range. That's where he's awesome. Other than you know open wheel routes, which apparently Justin Herbert has the yips throwing. Um, they don't have a great downfield threat. I'm interested in Darius Davis. He had the punt return for a touchdown the other night. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll give him some gimmick plays. He's one of those guys that is he's an electric playmaker. He could be my next uh, Deontay Hardy, you know, Khalif Raymond type that I'm like, yeah, I'll throw Darius Davis a couple deep balls a game. But honestly, like, just to get something going down the field so it's not just Keenan Allen and Gerald Everett, I think the Chargers need to try to tap into that because they don't have great downfield options right now.
0: Yeah, I think they need to, I mean, they need Quinton Johnson at this point, right? So I think it's time for them to actually start scheming for Quentin Johnson as opposed to just p- putting him out there as part of the the play and say run you know this is your role in this play run it and if the ball comes your way make the most of it like let's start saying we actually need this guy to be a bigger part of the offense we're going to have to start dialing some things up specifically for Quentin Johnson because like he has played a lot i mean Keenan Allen has 350 ish passing play snaps Uh, Joshua Palmer's got 250-ish, and then Quentin Johnson's next with 179. He's playing a lot. The ball is not coming his way because, in part, they're not designing anything for him to be open, right? It's just this is your role in this offense. You're running a specific receiver pattern and just make the most of it. I think it's time for them to start saying, we know what Keenan Allen can do. He will function in any role within this offense, Uh, nobody else is really bringing an awful lot. So let's start scheming some stuff up for Quentin Johnson and
1: try and get him the ball in areas that he can do well in. You'll be surprised to learn that I made another mistake. Oh, God. The Lions' last game was not against the Ravens. It's the last game that stood out in my head. But it was um, they got Josh McDaniels fired on Monday Night Football. They did. In Week 8, beat the Raiders. That was their last game before the bye. So I apologize again to our listeners. For, uh, for lying, basically, for lying, yeah yeah. I lied. Miss truths. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I told. Um, so yeah, the lions did bounce back pretty well after that disappointment with the Ravens. They bounced back after a heartbreaker against the Seahawks in week two went on a bit of a stretch. So I think the lions are still really good overall. I think their pass, their offensive line against this chargers pass rush man the chargers pass rush has been so hit or miss this year and it really feels like a lot of teams only beat up on bad offensive lines it feels like it's kind of extreme for the chargers right they're sacking zach wilson like crazy the other night yeah but i mean that's what they've done they did it against the raiders when it was just eight when it was aiden o'connell like all of their best pass rush games have been against the titans the raiders with o'connell and the jets with zach wilson and other than that and uh, that's pretty much it so I don't really trust the Chargers rushing the passer against this Detroit team and I think Goff will have some success here well
0: yeah it's a big it's a big kind of test I think for Joey Bosa who hasn't been Joey Bosa generally this season but he has been the last couple of weeks against some bad players you know so is Joey Bosa actually back or did Joey Bosa just run up against a couple of favorable matchups and therefore looked back uh, that I think is a factor for them. Like overall I think their pass rush isn't bad. I mean Khalil Mack has looked more like Khalil Mack this year, again since factoring the O'Connell game. Right, again, factoring in the favorable matchups. Joey Bosa looks like he's on the way back. Uh, the rookie Tuli Tui Peloto has looked pretty good yeah, he's as a rookie. Good. So it's not bad, but I think it's a fair point that we don't know yet how much of that is just a product of running up against bad opposition.
1: Oh, I'm torn on this one. This is one of my favorite games. I still, I'm still a believer in the Chargers. Okay. I'm back to believing in the Chargers, but maybe not this week. No, I am. Give me the Chargers.
0: Uh, Getting I'm three. They're going back. going with Detroit. Chargers am, are back. I'm,
1: in fact, not a believer in the Chargers. I'm a believer in the Chargers for some reason against the Lions. Speaking of back, Kyler's back. Yeah. Arizona Cardinals hosting the Atlanta Falcons falcons favored by one and a half kyler murray back playing football for back, the Cardinals. Baby. the big football
0: yeah <laughs> That's bad. that picture was terrible uh, Do
1: you, i mean there's there's a few things in life that you really like to focus on billionaires and size mismatches in uh-huh. pictures yeah right bryce po- bryce young podium jokes uh wemby Whenever any, he's around, any picture it, with Wemby, any Wemby picture that makes people look super small, which is all of them, me holding cups at Starbucks that are you know espresso <laughs> size and it looks ridiculous, right? right. And and Andre does. the Giant holding a beer can, uh-huh. you love that stuff, all of them. And the Can't Cardinals posted the picture of Kyler being back with the perspective, sh- like the it looked like a little kid's hand holding a big huge. It looked like it was photoshopped to make yeah. the ball twice as big. There's
0: a picture out right there where there's a picture out there, like a meme picture, where Kyler Murray looks like a tiny little munchkin, he's holding a giant football. You know what I mean? It's like been scaled that way, right? This was not one of those, but it kind of looked of the same variety of the ilk. It's like, if you are the Cardinals, you know, the PR staff or whoever it is that deals with these kinds of things, there should be sort of blanket policy of, hey, guys, I know this is the standard photograph that we take with all quarterbacks or all players. It's just a cookie-cutter template that we do without thinking about it. Somebody needs to have eyes on these every single photograph because Kyler Murray is itty bitty. You just need somebody run your eyes over and just check the football doesn't look like it's twice the size it should. Look at this picture. It's ridiculous. <laughs> somebody should just take a look at that. I like just somebody. Every time we take a photograph of Kyler, can
1: we get a better angle?
0: Can we get one person to have a look at it and go, dude, why is the ball that big? Like, and if it is, let's, let's adjust his arm angle or let's try and play with perspective a little bit to make it look like the ball is normal sized. That's all I'm asking. And uh. yet apparently that doesn't happen. They just take the photograph like normal and are, they wait until it goes out on social media for the rest of the world to point out that the ball looks like it's twice the size it should be.
1: That's our analysis on the game,
0: for the moment. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's just funny. Um, so we know Arizona's not a great team, correct? But they were very competitive with the great Josh Dobbs mm-hmm. running the show. What are they going to look like with Kyler? This is this is Kyler's first time not running a pure air raid system. Well, in the yeah, NFL, a variety of air raid, anyway. Yeah, I sorry, not pure. A variety of the air raid system. Right. We know that Arizona also had Josh Dobbs running. Quite a bit. They mm-hmm. would they would lean into that. They did some they did some nice trickeration early in the season with Rondell Moore in the backfield and everything. Um, I feel like Arizona doesn't look nearly as bad on paper with Kyler Murray back under center, and he yeah. can do some damage here.
0: That's the thing. I mean, this could be it's fascinating. Whatever happens, because Kyler Murray, you know, coming back is going to be good to watch for both us and them. But I think we have a pretty broad range of outcomes here. Number one is going to be okay, he's back. They've been very conservative with his timeline. They haven't rushed him back. They've given him all the time he needs. Does that mean that you're willing to say he is 100% we are going balls to the wall right out of the gate and Kyler's going to be running the ball. They're going to have him as, de- as a part of the design run game. He's going to be scrambling constantly. Are we getting full Kyler Murray or are we saying, hey, how about we ease back into this game stuff and you just stay in the pocket and get rid of the football?
1: Offensive coordinator Drew Petzing quote, expects, I'll, I'll quote the headline on NFL.com, quote yeah. of the headline, expects QB Kyler Murray to run like he normally does in return. and well,
0: there quote. we go. That's one element we will yeah. see. Um, number two is, before the final season that got everybody canned in Arizona, Kyler Murray's career was looking very good, right? He would started off looking pretty good. He took a big step forward year two. He took an even bigger step forward year three. And that year he led the NFL in big time throw rate. He had a PFF passing grade of 86.4, 86.7, sorry. He was a big factor in the run game. Like Kyler Murray was starting to look like the next great quarterback. And then the following season, the offense hadn't progressed. Everything went bad. Kyler was playing bad. There was all the talk about the Call of Duty stuff. Like everything went to hell, right? And then he gets hurt, and it's a, it's a complete nightmare. But if you basically pretend that 2022 didn't exist, and you're like, hey, we get this guy back, I mean, that's really exciting for a team like Arizona, who has shown that, sure, it's a bad roster, and there's not that much talent across the board, but they were still competitive without any of that. And Kyler comes back? I mean, this could be a jackpot for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, I think you highlighted it well. That 2021 season, the biggest question mark was also in that playoff game. They lose to the Rams. And it was like, oh, you know, can Kyler elevate a team? Does he, does he take it seriously enough? And then it got, you know, blown way out of proportion. Or maybe it didn't, but with the Call of Duty and dude likes to play video games and not study his playbook, we're going to put, uh, put some restrictions into his contract. But yeah, Kyler Murray's numbers last year looked nothing like his previous few years. Even just 6.1 yards per attempt. I mean, that offense was struggling last year to do anything explosive and it was like week after week just really i remember last year on the podcast doing this reading his yards per attempt every single week there was like no outliers 5.7 5.7 5.4 6.5 6 6 6, 7 7. 7.4 like there was nothing good there was no like there was no game where this offense just kind of figured it out and went off um and that's why cliff kingsbury got fired yeah it is um, so yeah I'm, I'm curious to see what Kyler looks like in a new offense we also saw them kind of the running thing lean into it sometimes other times get away from it so I'm curious to know what that looks like for Arizona mm-hmm. it also makes Arizona far more likely to um, far less likely to get the number one overall pick now with Kyler back at True. least that I don't I still don't think it's a great roster defense has so many holes
0: I mean it certainly yeah it makes it you can't look at this and say they are more likely to get the number one pick now than they were before he got back they
1: snuck a quick loss in before kyler came back with the clayton toon game last week um on the other side do you do you have any other insights off arthur smith's press conference
0: i have no insights whatsoever off arthur smith's press conference there was five minutes of gibberish that was explaining why bijan wasn't getting the ball in the red zone which did not explain why bijan was not getting the ball in the red zone uh, and seemed to focus largely on the fact that they were only 50% in touchdown conversion rate in the red zone, which is not where you want to be. You want to be at 100% in the red zone. So everything we do is striving to hit 100%, not 50%. And Sometimes you're going to call some plays, and it's going to get taken away by the defense. And it was just bullshit for 50, for five minutes. Like
1: You I, said you had no takeaways.
0: <sighs> that was good. That was my only takeaway.
1: You got Drake London back this week, hopefully. Yeah. Again, when they're when they're locked and loaded from a playmaker standpoint, they're capable. Taylor Heineke back under center. Um, Bijan has definitely cooled off both from opportunity and production over these last few weeks, but Atlanta's still a good all-around team hitting a bit of a lull here. Um, I do like Atlanta as a team. I like their run defense, David Onyemata, what he's done, Calais Campbell, all those guys that they've added on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm intrigued by Kyler as an underdog here this week I think he elevates this Arizona team that's played hard all year so that'll be a good one too what if Arizona is not competitive with Kyler Murray coming back after they were with Dobbs they just like Dobbs more well that would be bad for them well other than the
0: fact that if they're if they're even worse somehow with Kyler
1: Murray they are definitely on the way to the number one overall pick then give me the Cardinals getting one and a half here at home
0: hmm uh yeah okay I'll buy that. I'm for for a game. I'm going to see what I buy into the Kyler Murray thing for a game, and then maybe completely reverse my opinion after that game. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, am I in the right spot here? There we go. Washington Commanders at the Seattle Seahawks. Four more games to go here in 20 minutes. Uh, Commanders at Seahawks. Seahawks favored by six. Somebody do some research. Have the Seahawks ever covered a six point spread? Somebody do some research. Someone do some research for me. Can we get the crack research team going here? This podcast in a nutshell. Can somebody do <laughs> somebody, some research ever once? Somebody look up some numbers for me on Seattle. There's no way they've covered a six point spread. We just did this a couple of weeks ago. I can look it up in the spreadsheet here. Talk about the game. No one, no one bets against Sam Howell as a six point dog on the road. No one does Certainly that. Certainly not twice. Not twice. Can't do that twice. So Seattle did not cover three and a half against the Browns at oh,
0: home. God, stop. We can't. This, no. This they cannot be the show. did cover
1: seven and a half against Arizona a couple weeks back. Uh-huh. I have every game in here. Where Great. They? Did they play that week? So, Certainly didn't cover against the Bengals.
0: Sam Howell, being the most interesting quarterback in the world, uh, actually wasn't sacked that many times last time. Last time they, the Corner Last turn. time he
1: played. Yeah, yeah, Seattle was six-point favorites against Carolina in the Dalton game, and they didn't cover that.
0: So the last two games that Sam Howell's played, right, which is Philadelphia and New England, two teams that you would think that's, that's a massive concern, sacks, for a guy that's averaging like six a game. Uh, one sack against the Philadelphia Eagles and three sacks against New England Patriots.
1: Yeah, he's getting better.
0: Well, he certainly has in, in those two games, which would be two games that you would expect to have very high sack numbers attached to them. Does that actually represent a shift in Sam Howell or did we simply get two games where he didn't get sacked a lot where he should have been uh Seattle they're not as incompetent in at rushing the passer as they once were but it's a much more favorable matchup than the last two like if we have another game where Sam Howell's only sacked once twice now we've got something going here
1: Seattle's another team where if you just look at the pass rush grades and even the sack totals their best pass rush pass rush grades came in weeks three and four against Carolina and the Giants, who we just highlighted on the show. I mean, they're both bottom three offensive lines. The Giants are in a different stratosphere when it comes to that. Seattle's another defensive line. that I Look, I think they've improved a ton on the line, but they had a game like last week where they were pretty much shut down other than Boye Mafe and one play by Leonard Williams. Mm. So um, I don't know if they're going to – if this was three weeks ago, I said this could be a, one of those weeks where Seattle's defensive line at least looks good because they'll get to Sam Howell, they'll get their five or six sacks, and it'll be like, hey, Seattle – their, their, their pass rush has done this a few times this year. But Howell's getting rid of the ball a little bit quicker. Um, and the other thing about Howell, we're 10 starts into his career. Right, 10 starts into his career. Theoretically, I know I, know I always say not everybody just gets better every, every week. It's not Madden. And I'm not saying that about Howell. But if there's one thing that could improve, it's just getting rid of the ball on time. And where does Sam Howell need to improve? Just throwing the ball on time not running into defensive tackles when they're being blocked. He was doing that so much yeah. earlier this year, which is why we said it's not just the offensive line. It's mostly Howell when it comes to the sack totals. The last two weeks have looked much better for Sam Howell throwing the ball on time and um, and protecting himself a lot better.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I think, there's a, I think he can improve at that. Like, it's not – he was so extreme that it would be wild if that was his – Like that's where he's going to be forever now the question is how much can he improve because it's not like we're only working on NFL evidence here we saw this in his college career it is a feature of his game that's probably always going to be a feature of his game at least relative to other quarterbacks but if he can move the line and head back towards normality relative to other quarterbacks that's a huge thing for them because he is throwing the ball pretty well I mean Basically six percent big time throw rate, that's high. That's amongst the better quarterbacks in the NFL over a given season. Three point four percent turnover the play rate is not egregious. I mean, that's where Justin Herbert is this year with his double uh play rate. So that's fine. That's like middle of the pack. We're high end in big time throws. He's his sort of average uh you know completion rate, adjusted completion rate, these kinds of things. These are good. If we can eliminate just a portion of the sacks we're taking. That's, that's one of the sort of strongest levers he can pull in terms of moving his overall production.
1: In, in addition to when, you know, we saw him make a nice throw to um, Jahan Dotson last week. Dotson's going to be questionable for this game, uh, as is Curtis Samuel. But that group with Terry McLaurin, you know, at the top, decent group of receivers to throw to. And I think Howell gets the most out of that group. Um, other side, Emmanuel Forbes watch for Washington. Had a nice week last week against New England. Got, got to match up against a fellow skinny receiver like Tyquan Thornton. Fellow skinny receiver. Fellow skinny guy like Thornton. This week, though, you know, because you're big into this stuff, what happens when Emmanuel Forbes runs into DK potentially? Yikes. Because we know Forbes struggled with uh, DK's college teammate, A.J. Brown, if they this do, season. if
0: they do with the, If they let that happen, somebody needs to get fired. Just keep an eye on it.
1: Just keep an eye Like,
0: on there are mistakes that are made that are so bad that people should lose their jobs for them immediately. If Emmanuel Forbes is covering DK Metcalf and not Tyler Lockett, what are we even doing here? Like, we're just setting the kid up for failure if that's happening.
1: Commander's seventh lowest EPA per play allowed in the pass game. Could be a nice Geno Smith bounce back here with DK, with Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba's emergence. Um, Washington also has these weird Jack Del Rio splits throughout his career where they seem to get better in the second half of the season. That year where they were good defensively in 2020, I believe it was. They started out horrible and then got better. It's kind of been a trend, so I don't know how much to lean into this or if Washington has actually turned a corner after a good week last week against New England, but something to keep an eye on there. They have not been great so far this season, and Geno Smith overall playing pretty well. Still has to cut down on those turnover-worthy plays, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Where are you going in this one? Seattle by six. Uh, Washington. Yeah, same. Easy. In Seattle, give me Washington by six um, to cover the six. Giants at Cowboys. We get three minutes on this game. Tommy DeVito. Cowboys by sixteen and a half. <laughs> sixteen and a half.
0: The best pass rush in the NFL against the worst offensive line in the NFL, and Tommy DeVito at quarterback. He Probably sums up. He looked up better the
1: game. in a low leverage relief appearance last week he against did. the Raiders. Yeah.
0: Probably sums up the game though, Like, just that. If you knew nothing else. Yeah. Best pass rush, worst line, Tommy DeVito. How's it going? Yeah, sixteen and a half, it makes sense. Dallas is
1: way. Yeah. Dallas is also I mean, they're hot. They um and they eat these games up usually. It's not just they're sixteen and sixteen and a half because it's Dallas, but dallas they're they dominate bad teams yeah that's what they've done the last couple years for the most part
0: i mean even yeah i mean i would be i don't have time to run this live but what does their pass rush look like specifically against not good teams i would imagine it's insane um so
1: i can go at least game by game here dallas's pass rush well against the giants we had an 88 we know that they they sacked daniel jones like 900 times yeah jets 78 i mean is it dark green dark green against the giants the jets the patriots who were shuffling their offensive line at the time Mm -hmm. they even had a really good pass rush against the niners 81.7 against the chargers like the only the only games under 70 were kind of random though cardinals when they lost so i shouldn't say (laughs) that dallas doesn't always beat up on bad teams sometimes they lose
0: well that cardinals game was the one like that might be the single most unexplainable game in the NFL season this year
1: and those exist every year. like the Colts the Colts who fired their head coach for Jeff Saturday before they fired Frank Reich beat the Super Bowl champion Chiefs last year so those are those games do happen Um, but the two games with the Cowboys pass rush grade was under 70 was the Cardinals and the Rams and they beat the Rams 43 to 20 didn't (laughs) the the grade was probably them like
0: either way relaxing in the second half I don't there's not much to this game other than it would be a miracle if the Giants don't get murdered.
1: Um, Dak Prescott too, he's got two horrendous games, um, which was their first two losses, which was Arizona and the Niners game. Since that point though, he's played great. I mean, Dak has been a little streaky this year, but he's on a good streak and uh, just not missing a ton of throws these last couple of weeks. And he did it last week. I think I mentioned on the show. I thought it was a good matchup for him against Philly. He, tends to play well against that type of defense. Uh, but he's on a bit of a run here. Hmm. And so that's something – he didn't have to do much in week one against the Giants. If there's something that's going to keep it close, though, the Giants' aggressive D, if they do get one of those Dexter Lawrence games yeah. to just you know implode they, the they middle would of the defense, that. it would be the Giants' defense, which has played better overall over the last few weeks, even though they didn't do great last week against yeah. the Raiders.
0: They would need something like that. I mean, Dak Prescott, even against – sometimes that – the blitz-heavy type of defense just creates that variance. But, like, Dak Prescott's been consistently good against the blitz in his NFL career. It's not even, like, an area of potential weakness. It would require, like, just we introduce variance. Like, we're going to blitz like crap. Usually, Dak Prescott does well against the blitz, but on any given play, something crazy can happen, and maybe we, you know, maybe we change that narrative in this one small sample size iteration. But, like, there's no
1: evidence that says even that is going to affect this game. I don't think this is a record line. I mean, we've seen lines up at twenty haven't we, before? Yeah, I, I don't, don't know think it's the, a record, the, but it's the pretty. The 07 Patriots at this point where they were like three touchdown favorites, I think, pretty consistently. And then they wouldn't cover that because that's a ridiculous number. <laughs> uh, but, okay, 16 and a half here for Dallas.
0: Oh, I, think I, gotta, I think I'm I think going to get them to cover even with 16 and a half.
1: I'm going to take Dallas. I mean, I, I, I think I took Dallas against Arizona back when they lost by 14 right um so yeah weird stuff happens it's the nfl but yeah give me the cowboys to cover the big number uh jets at raiders we're on to sunday night football here jets favored by one in vegas antonio pierce's second game here want to know that
0: line's gone to up to coach. 17 now by the way yeah see people know i'm moving it to 17 in the document you I'll still pull. want it at 17 i'll take it at 17 yeah
1: no no you know what that's the tipping <laughs> point <laughs> No, I'll take Dallas. Nobody
0: beats Tommy DeVito by 17 points. <laughs> Twice. 16, sure.
1: 17, no. Nah. Listen, Tommy DeVito's got some mad. He led a comeback without completing a pass. Who else Who else can say that? True. Against the Jets. And his interception, did he have two interceptions? One of his interceptions wasn't his fault. I'm just saying the Jets
0: came. No, I know, but
1: yes, last week.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like he had an interception that hit his receiver in the hands. That's not on him.
1: It's not on him. Jets favored by one at the Raiders here. Sunday night football. Aiden O'Connell versus Zach Wilson. Wow. Yeah. Aiden played a pretty clean game last week against the Giants. He did. I mean,
0: look. Aiden O'Connell was the best rookie quarterback in preseason. And one of the best quarterbacks in preseason. Now, the more you do this, the more you understand that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But he's had a couple of starts now. And the first one he just took a million sacks and was just late on everything. It was the process was too slow, but he didn't actually play terribly with the ball in his hands in terms of throwing it. Uh, and then last week he got rid of all the negatives that, the sacks didn't happen. And he still looks like he can throw the ball pretty well. So he was an intriguing prospect because his good tape at Purdue was really good. It's just that the bad tape was catastrophic I mean, if he has games where somehow bad Aiden O'Connell doesn't rush to the surface, he can work. And actually, he's probably the better quarterback than Zach Wilson.
1: Hmm. Um, I was looking up, I'm looking up the uh, QB passing grades against the Jets this year. Did this a few That'll weeks ago. That be bad. Yeah, that's the problem. I was shocked, actually, because I, 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 I never actually checked Justin Herbert's grade from the other night. He's got the highest passing grade against the Jets this year. That's like sixty something. Yeah, sixty-seven. Dak at sixty-six point seven, which was both of those guys. It was a lot of uh, dink and dunk here. Yeah, Herbert six point two average depth of target. Dak a five point five average depth of target. Jalen Hurts with a sixty-five grade is third. He had that game. He had three turnover-worthy plays, but he also had some big-time throws in there. And then Mac Jones fifty-seven. Josh Allen fifty-two. Patrick Mahomes, 48. Tyrod and DeVito together in the 40s, and Russell Wilson, 43. So as of a few weeks ago, this was the lowest grade of the season for Mac Jones, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. I think some of that's changed, but either way, that's my concern for Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders' passing attack is going up against the Jets. And then the question is, now here's the funny part. If I took zach wilson's grades every single week Mm. and compared them to all of the quarterbacks against the jets defense it's like the same distribution where zach wilson has three games in the 50s and 60s and everything else is below yeah that's not great so zach wilson is every quarterback against the jets and then the jets make every quarterback look like they're playing the jets which is why they're four and four (laughs) got all that pretty much uh
0: I mean, the Jets' defense is really good, and their pass rush is crazy good. So we said before, Dallas has the best pass rush in the NFL. That's true. Um, the Jets, though, blitz less than almost anybody else. Only the Colts blitz less often than the Jets. So they have one of the best pass rushes in the league. Uh, they're like top five, six, um, and they do it with four. four. Yeah. Min, like maximum four. Sometimes they're doing it with three. They That's what makes that – defense so special is that they're able to get as much pressure as almost any team in the league without having to send extra blockers at all and that's where you're going to end up with problems if you're
1: Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders offense they're is. rolling eight deep man I mean Jermaine Johnson's uh breaking out here in year two Bryce Huff has been outstanding Quinnen Williams has the 90 grade did you get to see Robert Salas yeah little uh blurb which sounded a lot like what we talked about yesterday on the right. broadcast but he, you know he he gave the whole blurb the whole you know, sacks are overrated. Twin's a disruptor. Same thing we said on the podcast yesterday.
0: PFF grade references and all.
1: PFF grade references and everything. So, yeah, the Jets, that's my, that'd be my concern here for Aiden O'Connell.
0: And, and he Raiders. was, he, one of the points he was making, I haven't checked him on this, um, was, you know, teams are going out of their way to take away Quinn and Williams and get extra hands on him, get more bodies on him, get multiple blockers on him at all times which is one of the reasons that Bryce bad? Huff's pressure rate hasn't come down, which is one of the reasons that uh, Jermaine Johnson's pressure rate has spiked from last year. Like Jermaine Johnson was averaging or was had like an 11% pass rush win rate last season. This year, it's at like 24, or 25% or something. Like it's it's more than doubled what it was a year ago. Part of that is going to be down to Quinn and Williams and the attention that he is drawing and the fact that teams are specifically going out of their way to try and stop him ruining games. And Salah was making the point that essentially he's cool with that. Like, we're doing some things to try and free him up, but if teams have decided we are going to take him away, we are going to dedicate the extra bodies to him, cool. That just means other guys are going to have big days.
1: So then it becomes, you know, I, I really think the Jets' defense is going is to keep the scoring down. Can Zach Wilson do just enough? And, like, what are, what are Zach Wilson's problems at quarterback? The very first throw the other night, just airmails an open throw, and a- Aikman's funny. He's like, "Man, these are this is a gimme. These are the ones you got to hit." Dude, the, the hearing former quarterbacks watch
0: the NFL commentariat is disgusted with Zach Wilson. They hate him. Aikman's busy lighting him up in the broadcast. Manning visibly cringes every time Zach Wilson drops back to pass, and then when he does something, he's like. Walking through step-by-step
1: why it's terrible it's like they hate watching this guy but there's a few plays a game we you know make a few plays outside the pocket give Garrett Wilson a chance Garrett Wilson is is special and the and again the only excuse I'll make for Zach Wilson is the pass blocking is horrendous it's bad by the Jets and you'll have Max Crosby you know probably dominating with you know seven eight nine pressures in this game Wilson also invites a ton of pressure. He doesn't work quickly through his progressions whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at like a twelve nine type of game here.
0: Manning. What I'm thinking. Manning gave some sort of interesting glimpses though into exactly why Wilson is bad. And it's not just, you know, bad decisions, um, poor accuracy. It's like he doesn't have some of like some of the stuff that goes down is intangibles, but actually is smart quarterback play and understanding how the position works. You know, and he's like, he gave one example of how he's way too quick to hit his checkdown guy. Right, and sometimes yeah. you're going to need to hit your checkdown guy. But his point was, you can't do it too early in the play. Because the check down only gains yardage if you let the defense
1: you have to let the deep expand, rush. I think yeah. was the
0: term he was yeah. using, right? So if you drop back, don't like, like you've seen quickly, which is a good thing, right? I've read the sort of primary option is not going to be open on this play because the play call isn't going to work, the way they've lined up in coverage. Like I've diagnosed post snap quickly that number one is not going to work and number two may, might not work either. I'm going to need to go to the check down. Like, on the one hand, that's good. That's smart quarterback play. But Manning's point is, at that point, you need to have the discipline and the understanding to wait a while because you need to let the defense expand and move away from the checkdown guy so that he's not just getting murdered the second you get him the ball and it doesn't go anywhere. He's like that, like, you've done step one, step two is good, and step three isn't there, and so the play's dead. It didn't matter, like the stuff you did
1: beforehand mentally. You see Mahomes do something like that on his scrambles. Where he knows it's third and fifteen or whatever, I'm going He's like he can read the defense. He knows he's gonna scramble. He's got to let the play develop a little bit longer before he takes off, though. Right. So he has more room. Um, but you know why that's a. Do you know why people are saying Zach Wilson improved? Is because last year, in the previous year, he wouldn't even hit the checkdown. He wouldn't even hit the checkdown. He would roll right, right, and just hang out by the sideline and hope that he found a play down the field. That's why when people say, "Hey, there's," I'm seeing some improvement from Zach Wilson. It's because. When he does actually hit a check down, last year that was like a throwaway or maybe an interception because, you know, he was rolling out and just kind of chucking it up there. So that's probably what Robert Sala is seeing. Now, it's not enough of an improvement that it's good quarterback play yet, but it is this it's baby steps, Sam, for, uh, for Zach Wilson. I mean, if this is the arc, though,
0: like, sure, there are baby steps, but if this is the pace we're, we're moving at, it's –
1: it's going to be 2026 20, before he's ready to play. Buy low, baby. Buy low. All right, man. It's pick time. Jets by one in Vegas. In Vegas.
0: Uh, damn, I wanted to pick the Raiders. And then the more I think about it, the more I just don't like Aiden O'Connell against that pass rush, and I can't see him
1: thriving. The Jets are that defense now, that— Now, Max
0: Crosby could ruin the whole game for the Jets by
1: himself. That's true. But the Jets are that team that— er- if if your quarterback just played the Jets, you're like, man, what's wrong with my guy? What's wrong with Mahomes? What's wrong with Josh Allen? What's wrong with yeah. Jalen Hurts? For the what's first, wrong with every single quarterback that just played the Jets?
0: For the first time this
1: year, I am going
0: to deploy the coin flipper. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Yeah. So I did a whole strategy around that last right. year that didn't work. No, well, it didn't make it worse. One though. Put it yeah. that way. Uh, okay, heads, Jets, tails, Raiders. Heads, Jets. The thing. Tails, Raiders. Damn it. Didn't want to go there, but okay. <laughs> the I coin. tweet the other the day. The coin remember, has
1: spoken. Oh, remember the Phil Luckett screwing up the coin toss play? That was amazing. Yeah. Look, it's a hard thing to get right. Thanksgiving 1998. What a day that was. The yeah, coin Phil has spoken. Luckett screwing up the coin toss. Randy Moss going crazy. Three catches, buck 63, whatever it was, three scores. What a day. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving in '98. So you're taking the Raiders per the coin toss. Yes. All right. Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills to wrap this up. A little well, Elway on. versus Jim Kelly. What?
0: Benjamin has finally come good with your information. Oh,
1: okay. So we have our live fact checkers of Robert Sala. I have seven messages. We have seven messages from Brad from Ben.
0: Yeah, well, he's doing that thing where he's, he's going to give you the information, but piecemeal.
1: Yeah. Okay. I don't care about Javon Kinlaw or Justin Matabuike. Okay. He's twentieth twentieth highest rate for defensive interior with fifty plus rushers after week eight.
0: (laughs) But he can't see another three tech. But there's not
1: another three tech as high. So for three techs, that's probably
0: Yeah. So essentially he's got sixty two percent of as a double team rate, and we can't see another three tech that's
1: higher. So he's in Aaron Donald range. We for may,
0: teams. we can confirm live on the show that yes. Robert Sala is correct yeah. when he is saying that Quentin Williams is drawing an awful lot of extra attention.
1: I also like the way Sala said it. It's a very, a very coach speak. They're trying to get four hands on him. Four hands. Get, trying to get four hands. Four hands got to have him. on Quentin Williams. Not three, four hands. Mm. That could be Williams. a triple team. Could be a triple team. You I mean, technically, a, you it could have be double a, one hand. Could be
0: a quadruple team.
1: Could be. It's a lot of hands.
0: But you can have, you know, center
1: with two and then each guard with one Yeah, triple team. And that's why Bryce Huff eats. (laughs) Jermaine Johnson eats off the edge. More realistically, it's probably a double team, though. It's probably a double team. As I was saying, Broncos-Bills. Bills bills by seven and a half here. It's Monday night football. Bills uh, down to five and four for their record. Panic now in Buffalo. Panic. Against the Broncos. They're coming off a bye. I believe. Don't fact check me on that. No, just stop fact checking. But they're three and five with two straight wins. They are because if you're into winning streaks, every AFC West team has won their last game or two per okay. standings. Every AFC team in the East, every AFC East team lost last year, last week. I said AFC West. The West teams all won. The East all lost. Is that trend going to continue here in Monday Night Football? <laughs> Uh, so what is the, the the other
0: trend that we need to mention at some point? You as Nostradamus over there, what I do? made this statement that Denver's defense on this historically terrible pace could not possibly continue at their weight, rate. It was nailed it. Is it week? Which week do we give them the credit for the turnaround? Was it the it's Jets probably game? Three weeks. No, the Jets put up thirty. So it's the Chiefs, right?
1: Since six week six on, I mean, honestly, two of their last three games came against the Chiefs, right? Since the Chiefs, they've uh, they've turned turn life around but not just but it's how
0: incredibly they've turned it around is is the thing right depending on the number you look at they were literally dead ass last before those games and they've jumped to like first in some numbers okay now, well
1: here's the deal here's how they they are still lowest epa per play say against the pass i'll get the hold
0: number. okay but they are seventh i think overall in epa per play since
1: week six so there you go. Uh, so against the past, they're still worst, but they're eighth best in the last three weeks. That's how bad they were early on. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievably bad. Let's check the whole defense here.
0: Well, we up until that Chiefs game, they were by far the worst defense in the NFL in EPA
1: per play. So
0: they've gone from thirty second
1: by a mile yeah. to eighth. Like double the worst double the next worst team. Right. At one point. So let's see. EPA per play are they that high where are they the last couple weeks the uh, they are eighth since week six you're right and so where were they last and then on the season they're still last right probably that just shows how bad they were yeah for that time but I said they can't be that bad like my analysis was simply a mean regression they can't be that bad correct and even against the Chiefs in two out of those three weeks yeah they're the they're still the worst on the season But they
0: are. But they have the lowest touchdown drive allowed rate in the last three weeks, like best in the NFL. Yeah, they've gone, and that I think that was the number. So they had the worst touchdown drive rate through week five, and now they have the best since that
1: point. Yeah. So it's always interesting. Like, what what actually matters? Is it the trend? Um, You know, if 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 the Bills had played them in week three when they gave up 70 to the Dolphins, it's like, well, they were just playing bad back then. Was it matchup stuff? Either way, I think Denver is going to be a lot more competitive on that side of the ball going forward than what we saw earlier in the season.
0: Yeah, and, quite, and that makes them quite a dangerous team because the offense was better than people, you know. The last year, the whole thing was Russ is bad, the offense stinks, everyone's fired, Sean Payton comes in to fix it. And then he kind of did. The, the offense was better. It's just that nobody cared because the defense was giving up 70 to Miami. If the defense has gotten back on track... Like, now we're going to start noticing that, hey, the offense is better than it used to be. Like, suddenly Denver's actually quite a formidable team. Yeah, but even the offense
1: has been real inconsistent these last few weeks. Russ has not played great, and uh, and they've won their last two. And the third was against Kansas City, where they kept them, you know, it was tight. Kansas, yeah, Kansas City's defense shut them down in week six. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good game because a seven and a half is a huge number, man, because... It, Buffalo's Buffalo is a team that used to cover that pretty easily and now they're now they're not man now they're not they're playing down to the Giants they're losing to the Patriots um, I think I think Buffalo definitely showing some weakness uh, Buffalo splits are also really interesting pre and post Matt Milano losing Matt Milano in the middle of that defense um, when we talk about uh, force multiplier effects and everything sometimes like is that is that one of the big is, is that the the biggest deal for Buffalo losing an elite linebacker like Milano, losing Tradavius White earlier in the season. Are they just getting so beat up on that side of the ball? And then I want to highlight Von Miller again, Von Miller revenge game here. But Von Miller doing absolutely nothing coming off of injury. Now, did he just come back too soon? Is this what he's going to be? Is he just playoff Von Miller because he's had two of the best playoff stretches you've ever seen for defensive players 2015 and 2021? Uh, on Super Bowl runs Uh, that's a huge question mark for me for Buffalo
0: yeah the linebacker thing I think is significant I mean they had already lost Tremaine Edmonds they lose Matt Milano they've been getting injured at that spot repeatedly there's other guys going down in the secondary as well I mean the defense has really taken a battering in terms of injuries at key positions and you would expect it to have an impact right like the we act sometimes like injuries are just – they are part of the game. They are relevant things. To a certain extent, you kind of have to just factor it in and roll on, but it makes a difference. Like it's going to change the way the unit is able to perform overall. I think that's a big part of that defense not looking the way it's supposed to look.
1: Just to back that up further, and uh, it's more getting into some off-season discussion here, but I've been doing some research. We've, we've rejigged our um, war metric a little bit. So redone some past seasons, you know, altered the algorithm a little bit, we'll say. Um, and one of the findings that I had here was the difference between elite players and, say, average to below average players at a given uh, position. Call it the standard deviation, basically. How important are elite players at certain positions versus others? And the most important positions to have elite players, rather than average or below average players, are receiver, edge, and then it was linebacker was third and it, it, that was another one that i I, f- I feel like that was true through the years but we talk about linebacker as a low value position but it felt true when luke Keekley was around in right. carolina it feels true with bobby wagner like it feels true and matt milano is an elite linebacker and i do think buffalo is feeling that and maybe it's because they affect the run game they affect what you do in coverage um, especially in a zone heavy nfl so again when we look at buffalo's problems I think Ben Solak was highlighting it this week. Like, Buffalo's underlying metrics are still great, but they're not winning games. And usually the underlying metrics are going to win out, so, like, don't write off the bills. Um, But it does feel like they're finding their way defensively without Milano. They're finding their way offensively with some injuries and Dalton Kincaid taking more of the workload. I think they'll get there. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting what's happening on defense for Buffalo.
0: It's also specifically – the loss, the drop-off, I think, is in coverage. Like, Matt Milano is one of the best coverage linebackers right. in the NFL. Um, Terrell, or yeah, Tremaine Edmonds, um, for as much – like, when he was, I think, the best graded linebacker in the NFL last year in coverage, and right. even before he was grading well, he had the range and the athleticism and the insane physical tools. They gave, they gave him difficult coverage assignments. It's a double whammy. Yeah, yeah so you're losing yeah. all of that, and you're replacing them with guys who are grading – their, their struggling area is all in coverage, right? All whether Whichever linebacker you're looking at for Buffalo, the weakness of their game this season is coverage. So in addition to those guys keep being given slightly less insane asks anyway, so everything's made, been made a lot worse in that area, which has a knock-on effect for the guys behind them. Like you, right. Those guys have to do more now. They have to cover a, a broader range of ground. It's definitely going to affect things.
1: All right, man. Lots of breakdown in this game. I think it'll be a fun Monday night football game. I know it's 7.5, and, and it feels like the Bills should be way better than the Broncos, but Broncos are trending in the right direction. Bills are a little shaky recently. 7.5, where are you going here?
0: Uh, I am going to go Denver to cover that.
1: Interesting. I don't want to agree with you on this one, so I'll go Buffalo. I keep picking them to cover big spreads when they come up, so we'll stick with that. Give me the Bills to cover the 7.5. Because <laughs> it's half. worked out so well. It doesn't matter. Okay. I'm trying to... Mix up our picks a little bit here. Because we've, we've agreed a bunch.
0: Okay. I don't know that's the, the you know, the, the goal here is to
1: Oh, pick have, the right game? But, yeah. Yeah, give me the bills. Okay. Anyway. Because I said the underlying metrics are there for Buffalo. All to right. be better than their five and four. All right, man. It was a great show. A shorter week and we still go ten minutes over. It's how we do it. Easy. Play to the competition. Mm-hmm. Somebody should put over They should have bets on our show length.
0: Who, 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 uh, the only person in the discord degenerate enough to do that is
1: the late dr eager he, he should join the discord and set something up
0: set <laughs> up to start yeah. running a book over under that two even hours
1: it's like it's a 16 game schedule will it go over two hours and 35 minutes or under you know like what, set it based off the number you're of gonna games. have the
0: late dr eager arrested under rico charges or something i'll be
1: all right all right we're done here you'll be here tomorrow breaking down uh panthers bears with brad mhm I love when Brad shows up on a Friday to do a little Bears. Post-Bears game. Yeah, yeah. post-Bears review here. All right, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again. I'll see you again on Monday reviewing all the Week 10 NFL action.